What up, fam? Eastone here with your boy Grand Diesel. We just got done with yet another amazing conversation with a very inspiring human, Caleb Flowers. Absolutely, buds. Caleb is one of the most forward-thinking human beings I've ever sat down with. His journey started in snowboarding, transitioned into the whole fashion, skate, kind of creative world, and he has a really progressive marketing and product perspective on everything. Honestly, that was probably one of the most interesting conversations I've had to date. And I think people can get a lot out of that if they're thinking about starting a brand, if they work for a brand. I'll tell you, the way he is recreating the brand-to-consumer relationship, his ideas for that are mind-blowing, man. Take a listen. Episode 13, Caleb Flowers. Let's get it. You are listening to The Bomb Hole. Podcast. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. (laughs) The Bomb Hole. That bitch is crazy. Okay, the bomb hole. Here we go. Stony Buds, how we doing, my friend? Doing good, dude. You know what I want to do? I want to send a shout-out to uh, Paul. Chinatown Paul. Looked at the camera. <laughs> Chinatown Paul's been helping us edit. Thank you, Paul. Um, Caleb, how we doing? Doing good. Feeling good. Glad to be here. Just for the listeners to let you guys know, we got Caleb Flowers in the booth. He's kind of in the shadows of snowboarding a little bit. He's kind of comes from fashion skate world. Um, so if you guys don't know him, you're about to find out a bunch about him. Where are you from originally, Caleb? Uh, originally Louisville, Kentucky. So like Midwest area. And then um, I guess if you call that Midwest, some people call it South. south. Some people Dude, I'm call going it. dirty South on Kentucky. You're going yeah. South. I'm okay. going South. It's funny because I can never really like... I could say Appalachia, I guess, too, but I just tell people, yeah. This guy never heard of the Appalachian Trail, actually, when a couple episodes ago. It's wild. True story. It's wild. Um, But uh, born there, uh, grew up there, and then moved to Montana, like Whitefish, kind of Kalispell zone, like northwest Montana, and then moved down to uh, Salt Lake probably in 2002 or three, shortly after the Olympics, like. Um, I have an older brother and it's like the spot to be, I mean, as you know, I think we all, a lot of people are transplants and kind of the epicenter here. So we felt like we actually, (laughs) we knew a kid who said he was all like hooked into the social pipeline down here that from Louisville. And, uh, so we're like, yo, this is our chance. Like all our, like our favorite, like pros and stuff are down here. And this this dude knows them all. And, you know, he kind of gasses up on that. And so we came down, like packed the car, like, we'll just, let's do it. You know, like got jobs at the resort at like the library online and hopped in the car and drove down and uh the kid didn't know anybody like wasn't connected and just like kind of kind of ghosted us and so we we're like well we'll figure it out and so uh, he, he so had cool. like seen him at the mountain once for real yeah he was like telling us all this stuff like dude that's insane you know these guys uh, mfm is my dog dude. no for we real set up he was like yo like those are all the homies like we go out every night and i was like dude get me in like that's my dream and me and my brother were like watching the videos on repeat, you know what I mean? So at least um, he got you out here though. Shit. And that's a, and that's a silver lining of it all. It's like, we probably like in hindsight, like that dude killed it for just yeah. getting his hype to like be a part of it. Cause it, it pushed us over that edge and made that jump, you know? So I didn't cool. know you'd been here since 2002. That's crazy. Yeah. So kind of, so I, like I said, I got a job at uh park city resort, um, in the library. And I think it was like at that time I was in Billings, Montana. And so we didn't realize that like, for people that don't live in Utah, Park City is not that close to Salt Lake. And so we figured out, like, oh, like, we could live in Salt Lake and be in Park City. And so when, we, when I got a job there, once we realized, like, it's kind of a trek to make daily, we just landed in Park City. And, and my brother Rock walked across the street and got a job at another spot, and we just kind of ended up there. So, yeah, so I kind of 
put my roots in Park City by default. That's just where my first job. Yeah, that's why I didn't bump into you as much because I moved out in like 2000. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna yeah. Say, I'm surprised I didn't see you more than that's crazy. Yeah, and so that was a little bit the tricky part for me is like trying to like expand and meet people. But uh, like Park City's very like. Hey, you guys had a tight crew and it's hard to leave out of there. Yeah, and it's super seasonal too. So like I would see people every now and again, but a lot of people were just kind of passing through there for the day. So. I was trying to forge relationships and do stuff like that, but um, it Those was good. Those were the good days of Sundance, too, back <laughs> It's insane. Uh, I have some crazy stories <laughs> about, bet, like, I mean, I was young. I was probably, like, 15. Um, I uh, I got emancipated, moved down with my brother, so I had a lot of freedom at an early age. And, you uh, moved out here at 15? Yeah, yeah, So, like, Damn. worked at Blockbuster, worked at the resort, like, snowboarded every day. Like, it was a dream. It was so sick. And, um but at that time, like I said, Sundance was popping off. I mean, you had, I think there was, you had Ozung and Lane filming reality shows in Park City. Yeah, like my, reality It show. was like my favorite snowboarders and like these celebrities were like all in the same spot. And I had just come from like middle of nowhere, Montana. Me and my brother were like tripping hard. Like, this is insane. You know what I mean? Like, so it was really cool. I so, forgot about that reality show. <laughs> it was insane. That was insane. Yeah, and you had Scotty wearing Celtics jerseys and stuff. Yeah. And that, it was a good time. made an appearance in there, mm. too. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so I, was cool. I remember also, like, back in the day, you, you were a sponsored snowboarder, too. Like, Rosinol. Really? And all Lo- that stuff. Loosely. Yeah. Loosely. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that uh, Rosinol, like, we had some friends, like, Pash and Hava, and, and some really nice people looked out for me early on, and Littlest, and um, uh, Alex Sherman. Um so they kind of, and Scotty as well, those guys all kind of brought me into their circle. And that, like I said, there wasn't a lot of people up there making it happen, but those guys were. So I got lucky to be a part of that. And then, like I said, I'm, I'm into a lot of different stuff. So uh, about the time it took me to get in, mentally I was already, like, out. So it, those two just yeah, didn't line I, up. I remember back in the day to, like, <laughs> paint a picture for those who don't know you. I feel like it was, like, an MFM, like, fat pants fit, like, totally. baggy totally. vibe. I was doing a lot of different stuff, like... I think that also I was, I mean, I think a lot, maybe not a lot, but at the time I was trying to find like who I wanted to film with. And it was a whole aesthetic, like action sports and a lot of things are a lot of marketing. And so once I grasped that, like, okay, if you want to market yourself towards this filming crew, like this is the vibe kind of, you know? And so I was constantly trying to figure out what that was, but I was also getting irritated because it didn't feel like any of them were me. So, um, so it was kind of like this feedback loop of like, I'm going to wear this, but that's not really my vibe. And so, um, yeah, some people definitely get into that that, and they get stuck. And then that's when they end up seeing them in a different style a couple of years later. Totally. I mean, she's just down to get with the crew. Yeah. I mean, it happens in skateboarding. I mean, Chris Cole, you look at people like Corey Duffel, like a lot of people, it was really smart to mold, to mold that. And then they were able to evolve over time and find their own way. And for me, I like, I just didn't have that that timing didn't work out where I had that long of a leeway to like get in and then be like, okay, I'm going to slowly get like, take my audience to what I'm actually into. I was kind of like, yo, I need to make some money and figure out what the best, you know, did you have that is. like a uh, eye for fashion way back then? Um, I was definitely into it. Yeah. I think at that time it was like, um, I mean, it was weird. It was like, everything comes back to like skateboarding or music. Um, so I was still, I was so young. I was still like, trying to figure out what I was into, like copying a lot of stuff. Yeah. I was like mashing stuff together. So I was definitely into a lot of different things. Like I still like constantly picking up new stuff. It's crazy how music is the influencer totally. for so much. Yeah. You listen to E code, you listen to like yeah. the XXX I mean it's gonna influence the whole type. brand or yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. fashion designer and everything. It's insane. It's cool. It um and so I think 
where I'm at now and then I think it's, it's just kind of been a lot of these different things and trying new stuff. And, and it's really like a whole vibe of, okay, like, and it definitely gives you more appreciation for things like the forum team shorties. Like there's, it's the writers are sick, but the people, even tech nine, like the people putting on that vibe, like it's a whole organization that's like putting out this vibe that whether they know it or not, are like affecting kids everywhere. Cause yeah. it, it, you know, they see something in that. So that's really cool. We didn't realize that at Tech Nine at all. And we were just purely music driven. Yeah. Our whole direction. You yeah. Know? Until you get a little older, though, you don't realize that, whoa, you're actually influencing these kids. Oh, tons. Yeah. And and not even just the kids, but the whole direction of the industry and how it's going. And, uh, and I would say even, I mean, I run into people now, like there's a dude in Canada who uh, we were both in the Tech Nine, like, you know, 10 years ago. And he's a rep for... Uh, for a bigger kind of fashion company and we'll still vibe out on like, yo, do you remember that jacket or like, what's that rail you hit? You know? And so yeah. that's this cool kind of commonality that not everybody can have that i maybe took for granted 10 years ago, but now I'm like, that's so sad. Yeah. But now you're, you yeah. think back and those well, that guy, last, yeah. yeah, I'll be in Paris and be like, that guy knows that there's a kinked rail in Salt Lake. And we talked about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's just sick. crazy. That's yeah. That's pretty dope. That's so cool. What, when I think back to my earliest memories, you, you were working at the click in mm-hmm. park city you think that that early retail job kind of like forged your direction to where you're going? Absolutely. I I like I literally owe everything, not everything. I might be your ass, but I owe a lot to uh, Josh. Uh, there's a gentleman named Josh Kaufman who owned. Um, it was called the Click Worldwide. Click was dope. Yeah, and it was, and he was he took a lot of risks and um, and he was forging his own kind of thing and um, and was taking uh, just doing cool stuff and taking his influences, but more importantly, he was giving me a lot of leeway, everyone that worked there a lot of leeway to try to find it. And I learned a lot because I had a lot of like responsibility and like from buying to reps, he was hooking me up. And so, um, just for people, there was a, I mean, you, do you remember Krista Moroj? Mm-hmm. I mean, Krista was the first one that put me on with that whole thing. And, um, she, uh, she was great. So that was like a huge door and her and Josh, I owe a lot, but I think forging the skate shop talk, like even from, this conversation now, yeah. like having this and wrapping out has been something I use every day. And that all came from like working in the shop and being like, yo, like, you know, how was it? Like you guys grabbing food after like, you Shooting know, the shit at yeah. the shop. be like, we, we're from out of town. We're going to go up tomorrow. Where should we go? You know, like that kind of thing is like, it's really cool. Especially but it's in the Park shop. City, you got a lot of people coming in that need direction. Totally. From you, you know, totally. Um, you're their only outlet or else they're lost up there. Yeah. So I owe, I owe that whole vibe a lot and Josh and that whole thing. And, uh, it was cool, but that definitely was like the catalyst to a lot of this stuff to be like, one, I can do it, but two, I know how more than a lot of other people my age because I was given a lot of opportunity early on. So it was cool. And you have a, you have a good gauge on what people are buying too. Like I would, my buddies that work at the shop, yeah. I'd be like, hey, what, how should I design my outerwear board? And they'd have like a list. You should do this, 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 and this because this is what people want. You're like, okay, I'm listening to you because I don't have my ears to the streets like that. Totally. So. And the hardest part about that is uh, sometimes it's not always the answer you want to get. You yeah. know what I mean? So you're like, yo, this is the shit I'm into. Like, I want you guys to be into it too. And they're like, nah, like everyone's asking for this stuff. And you're like, all right, I need to slow down. Like I'm moving too fast. I can be into that. But I also need to know that like if I'm making something and the goal is to share that with people and get them inspired, like like I want to give them something they want but tweak it a little bit to where it's like a little out of their comfort zone to where they're still ahead of the crowd. And that's like that balance. And so it took me a while to kind of figure that out too. And that makes gotta, sense. you got to think a year ahead too because some of the stuff you're working on is not going to come out for a little bit. And that's kind of crazy too. So you got to be forward thinking. Yeah. The crazy thing that a lot of people have in co- like the advantage they have is 
I was doing multi-brand, meaning like when I had a store um, in in Park City, and even with uh, even with the click, as far as buying, it's fun to come out with your own brand because you get to see what everyone's picking up uh, a year, and so you have this like insider information on what's coming out, and a lot of people, oh, camo's in, in we need a camo pants. Yeah. yeah, I went to SIA, I saw it coming out or whatever. So my favorite thing would I always just go the opposite way, which Sick. would almost self sabotage. <laughs> but I but because of that, it was more maybe more interesting. Because it wasn't the same neon camo that we've seen or whatever. So. Yeah, because it's funny the industry catches wind, camos in, and then you see ten brands with camo pants, yeah. and you're like, "Whoa, damn!" Yeah, Chris has always anymore. got good camos on. Though, yeah, he so, does. Yeah. You got to mix your camos up. Uh, what I wanted to kind of jump back for our listeners that aren't familiar with your shops, yeah. do you want to just kind of explain Mayflower and Hattenbrook to people that might not know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. Um, so after, I mean, I knew from a young age that like I wanted to do retail. I think one, I didn't really have much of an education. So it was a path of least resistance for me to like be in the industry. I had that shop talk thing going. I loved it. I could be around it. So, um, without knowing the numbers or anything, I just liked the idea. And I think I wanted to do a sneaker shop. Like that was the thing is I was into footwear and still like footwear and outerwear. Like that's my vibe. But, uh, so after the click, it was kind of like, okay, what do I need to do? How much money do I need to save to like do my own shop, you know? And uh, so I opened a shop in Park City, uh, 2012, um, called Hathenbrook, and it was more. I didn't have a lot of liquid capital, or like, by what I mean by liquid capital is just like money, like cash to start it up with. Um, <clears throat> so how'd you start it? So at the time, there was a trend kind of hitting uh, that was like made in the USA goods, like it was like this heritage thing, and again. I was early on it because I was able to be around and kind of see it. But two, um, it was a little bit easier to not spend uh, a bunch of money a year in advance and have to float these costs. Because the stuff was being made in the U.S., I could just order it as I go. So they call it like at once ordering. Yeah, at once. So I, I saw a window where I could sell stuff and then order more of it in, you know, within a week and just continue to try to build money off that versus a lot of the other models around skateboarding and snowboarding and even fashion are built around pre-books where you order stuff like a year in advance. So I had this kind of like marketing window to do like, okay, I can order this like uh, Filson or Pendleton um, flannel, be in, sell through them, and, and they have more ready for me. Would like, they make you go COD or? Um, no, most of the time, like a lot of times I'd hit, have to hit a minimum. Yeah. So, so I would just have to time it right. and that, Time it, sell out. More. Yeah, so luckily that was one of the reasons I chose Park City versus um, Salt Lake. You got because a higher-end customer. It's higher-end, and I, I, I could predict when, like, the business or, like, when the town was going to be busy. So you just basically – it was a little bit of a poker game, but, like, going all in before Sundance Film Festival and investing in inventory and just being like, please sell, please be snowy, you know, and then coming back and saying, okay, just because it worked once – might not work again, so let's just go with a little bit. So uh, definitely mistakes made, but uh, ultimately worked out. And um, so that was my way into it. And then uh, we moved to a bigger spot because we were doing well with that. So and, it was successful. Yeah, so we did men's and women's, moved to a bigger zone. But then I still had a lease on this, like, the, the first shop was, uh, like, 300 square feet, so super small. And um, and then me and my, I had a business partner, Ethan, he was like younger kid and kind of like Josh gave me opportunities. I wanted to like give him those opportunities. And so we teamed up and I was like, look, you just got to like watch it during the day. We'll pay for stuff. You're into skateboarding, go to the skate park, come back. It'll work out. Uh, and we, we killed it. That was really good too. But we, um, we, we needed a, we needed a skate shops are somewhat seasonal, especially in park city. Yeah. I, I didn't really, I knew about snowboarding and 
how those hard goods, uh, ordering hard goods is a little bit more of a risk and it's also a lot more expensive. So I didn't really want to get into that, uh, or drag Ethan into that ethos, uh, that that early that was on, smart. yeah, and so <laughs> it was. coming from buds, yeah, now you're a smart man. A smart move. So we were so we were banking on Woodward opening, and that's the that's the year that um, that Park City changed hands in Vale, and so there was a lot going on. So our lease was up, and I said, you know what, he really wanted to go skate. He was from the East Coast, so we kind of said, you know what, we're good. I'll keep my shop going if it's dope, and we want to do it again. Like let's do it again. If not, that's chill too. So it was more of a learning experience for both of us, but I knew sinking my teeth into the skate thing again. Like I fucking love that man. Like, so, um, yeah, I knew it wouldn't be too long before I kind of did it again. It, it seems like, you know, it's such a cool blend. Like you got one foot in like core skateboarding, just die hard skating. And you got one foot in like high end fashion. And it's like this blend of, and even more like very unique, creative one-off type stuff. Like you want to totally. describe kind of what you guys got in there? Yeah. So, um, kind of the, my whole like kind of aesthetic is uh, I call it like a high low mix, but there was this trend going on. Like everything I do, I pretty much copy people until I kind of like I copy multiple people until I find uh, kind of my rhythm. And then once I'm like fluent in my own language, it kind of morphs into my own. So there was a couple cool stores. There's one in Australia, uh, one in Copenhagen. Um, Listen, when you say copy people, you look at some dope store. Be like, I like what they're doing. Let yeah. me put my own twist. Or I say, hey, this is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I like what they're doing, but maybe I can do it different enough to where it's not a complete rip, but it's just derivative. And then by the time I get into it, it'll be my own thing. But like, if it's interesting to me, like I think somebody else would be into it. So yeah. I started seeing this trend where people were ordering skate stuff and still having like, you know, um, high-end Nikes or high-end footwear or high-end clothing. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's something that like, I would want the opportunity to go to. So I started kind of going towards that. <clears throat> and then um, we moved to Salt Lake. I we ended up, you know, my wife bought a house in Salt Lake. And I was like, you know what? This, like Salt Lake is a better template and blueprint for this model than Park City. Park City's very mm-hmm. tourist higher. And it spoke to, towards me a little bit more. And the kids were like into that same idea. Park City didn't get it so much. Like they were spending money, but they didn't. It was kind of like bittersweet because i would spend an hour being like oh this is like this is why this is so dope and they'd be like oh yeah, yeah. like we just need shoes today like can we get those yeah. and, I, and it was cool because they were buying stuff but at the same time i like felt a little bit like oh let's do some crazy shit so salt lake really grasped it when i moved down and then that's when we started kind of going a little weirder in the fashion side and a little bit more on the skate side and doing more marketing and stuff around it but did you ever see that in colorado they had satellite had that Awesome. Straight up shoe store mm-hmm. installations. Yeah, called? they had installation. So it's kind of like they were doing that mix, I guess, too. And it was working for him for a bit. My wife went to school in Boulder, and I was like ah. way into it. I took a suitcase out, and I think a uh, suitcase out went to installation. I bought like Todd Jordan blazers. I bought like all this stuff, packed it up, and brought it back. Like I was way into sneakers. Sick. Um, you have but, a sick sneaker collection, or what? You know, I did. I'm kind of on my vibe these days is like pretty basic. Like I'm oh. pretty pedestrian as far as like everything i'm into like i'm really into the conversation more than i am yeah but when i was younger i was into the flex so i was like oh man i gotta have the dope shoes i gotta collect them like it's a whole vibe uh and now it's just like yo the vibe's dope but like the people that make it are like that's the real vibe like you want to like go and grab a cup of coffee with them and see what their inspirations are so i get way into that i am in no means a sneaker collector but in 99 i bought those black and yellow killer b wu-tang those are sick but before they were the Nike limited editions. Yeah. 
found them in my closet two weeks ago, mint yeah. or two G's right yeah, now. Those are... put on, I'm like, damn, that's fun too. They've barely ever been worn. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. That's the, cool, the coolest thing about like skateboarding, snowboarding. I mean, all that is it's kind of revolution. So some people will talk shit on it being like, we do, we already went through this. I love it because, uh, and you guys have probably seen this too, is we're in the kind of the zone where a lot of the things we grew up with, the timeline is fitting to where like, yo, it's coming in and like, I had the real versions, but these ones are tweaked a little bit and it's kind of nostalgic. So I, I really embrace that. And it's, it's fun to see. It's fun to see kids interacting in a new way too, and be able yeah. to drop a little knowledge and be like, you know, I had those. Let me yeah. show this photo. Yeah. A lot of the so. trends, they just come full circle yeah, like 20 years do. later. Yeah. yeah. Buds has seen the circles like four five, six times now. Probably. It's true dog. And that's why it's I got like some early, shit worth 2k early. in the closet. Right yeah. now. <laughs> Anybody wants to buy those, hit me up. Yeah. Drop me a DM. You know what I'm going to hit before it's too late? Oh, Name, name that video. Name part. that video. Oh, How are you feeling? You feeling confident? You feeling confident? Man. What? I hope so. What band's on your t-shirt? Oh, it's Depeche Mode. Oh, it is. That oh, guy shouts. looks a lot like Bob Plum from back here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you the Bob Plum. It might be. Wasn't it does Depeche look like Mode? Bob. Yeah, no. I didn't know he was a lead singer of Depeche. Yeah. Bob it's his dad. It's Mike. Yeah. All right. I'm taking us away. Yeah, we gotta, we gotta hit this because sometimes we almost forget. So, all right, I'm just gonna jump right in to the first song. I felt like it was like you and I are from the same era, so I fig I kind of tried to, I don't know. We'll see. Here we go. Baby's gonna be right. Mikey. That's an easy. The best. What does he say? I the, love that he knows that. The That's be, dope. Yeah. Man. The beginning of that. Oh, what's the, he say? The beginning of that part. There's like this crazy intro before his part. Uh, it's like some lady's voice or something. I forget. It's, it's like got like a, a wild intro. It's so long sick. intro. There's like a fan and there's all kinds of stuff going. Like it's like misty and weird and artsy. It's not red red wine, is it? Before his part, I can't remember. Um, yeah, but fucking amazing part. Mikey's dope. That's it. Um, See, he's still got the roots part. in snowboarding, yep. even though he's in the the other stuff. Yeah. He's still can and he's come. all that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> the best part is when he. He like holds his wrist. He like hurts his wrist or something. He's like yeah, walking out holding because we all been there. We like fuck like my wrist. But he has a bunch I, of bales. Yeah, it's insane. That part's so sick. Okay, I nailed it. You did yeah, good you job. That was. Job. I feel like you, that was an easy one though too. So. Well, I didn't know your gauge. You yeah, know, I didn't. I didn't know where you're at. Understandable. So this one's for the fans. You guys know how it is. Comment on the Instagram photo. Yeah, people Caleb. still ask every where do I where do I put it first post the post of Caleb's face. Yeah, the comment first the song. Post no. We do. All right, we appreciate you guys. We're hitting it. It's quick. That's a quick one, dog. It's a timeless one. Okay, well, thank you guys for playing another round of Name That Video I don't got part. that second one. It's too quick. Yeah. All right, I'm, ex I'm excited That's about what we're talking about because I, I really – I'm fascinated by this stuff. And, you know, in your shop, I know we're kind of jumping around chronologically, but, like, you had those crazy Nikes that were, like, almost, like, flaky paint or yeah, yeah, kind they, of deals. Yeah. And, and um, mm -hmm. like, I guess you said, you know, to me, I, I guess I don't really understand it, to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. Like, I'm not in on the high-end fashion. I don't necessarily get it. But you said something earlier before you sat down. It's like, it's more about being interesting than good in some ways. And, and like, you want to evolve on that? Yeah, yeah it... Um 
So it's, it's, it's tough because it's like the conversation is continually going and, and not everybody agrees with me on this, which is awesome. Um, but for me and kind of my, um, my start into all this, I, I, when I was younger, there wasn't really like kind of a mentor and like uh, fully on how to make a product or how to do it. So you think going into it, whether it's a skate brand, snow brand, fashion brand, product, doesn't matter, that everything is done from zero to 100% in one factory. You think that one brand is all made in one factory and just comes to you in a box and you sell it. And then you start to peel back the layers of the onion uh, and you realize like, oh man, like they're using a bunch of different factories to build out this comprehensive idea of what a brand is. Um, and then you peel back another layer and you're saying, well, these factories that they're going through, a lot of the same companies are going through the same factories and they're building the same product. They're just modifying it, but they're modifying it before it comes to them, but it's just a blank. So whether it be shoes or they're saying, I don't have some, I don't have enough money to make something from zero, like a new shoe silhouette. So let's take an existing skate silhouette and then make it a different color and then put our logo and then do a different tongue because the first question when you go to a factory, yeah, what do you got for house molds? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's how you're going to save some money. Yeah, Totally. And so then the real creative thing is, is that's the true creative thing is to be resourceful with the tools you're given and then make it your own and make it cool enough. So once I started bringing in my favorite companies, I started realizing like they're not as good as I thought, which one was bumming me out, but two was super inspiring because I was like, well, like if they can do it and they're continually evolving. So like you think that your favorite brand has figured it out. They've mastered what they're doing and some have, but for the most part, you're buying a part of their process as they're getting to better product. It doesn't have to be perfect 100% when you buy it. It's probably going to be better by the second or third. I mean, even like an Apple iPhone, um, it's like, they probably could have came out with the iPhone 5 when they brought his 3GS, but then they wouldn't have anything to improve on. So knowing that when I wanted to design stuff, it was like, okay, it's how creative can I get with an existing product? Um, and uh, how can I touch on it to make it my own, to make it interesting? And that's what those Nikes were. So like that was something that I was really, I mean, still I'm way into Nike. I'm way into all footwear. And, um, and I hadn't seen that particular silhouette of that shoe it's crazy because it takes a lot of different molds. It's like 300 different molds to make this new type of Air Max. And uh, I thought that just from a design perspective was it's super insane. interesting. Yeah. And uh, and so I kind of just started messing around being like, oh, how can I make my own? And then from that was scaling this idea of like, oh, this is interesting enough. And then it just got picked up and kept running with it. And so we want to do more stuff like that. Um, what exactly did you do to that shoe? So those are all particular. Yeah, yeah. So th these guys, they take an enzyme dip. Yeah. So... A lot of times with shoes, a couple of my favorite designers is a designer named Margella who is known for just painting shoes. He paints a, a military, um, this style of shoe the company produces. It's a military army trainer, um, but it's painted. I've um, seen these guys on YouTube that yeah. go nuts doing that. And it's and, sick. Yeah, and so the difference between like a shoe customizer and Margella, this world-renowned designer who's everyone's favorite, is the fact that he's able to scale it and he's done it long enough. Uh, the kid that's airbrushing his shoes in his garage is still dope. But he did one pair. He didn't do a thousand. And that yeah. was the difference. And so that's what I really wanted to touch on is like what makes you different is being able to scale something and give it to more people. That and, makes sense. And that's what was challenging to me. But I thought, you know what, if other companies can do it, like we should try. And what's my breaking point? And so with that Nike, it was enzyme dip to be like that 
that white color, and then we produced it and put it out. So and the enzyme dip like bleaches it out. Yeah, bleaches it out, and then the whole thing's painted. And so and they it, didn't have a shoe that was that color. That's sick. no, because it's kind of really hard to do with the manufacturing process. So you that's why it, you had it dipped yourself. Your yeah, own. yeah, no, I do, I do all my. So that's that's kind of the interesting thing is that I'm about to. I'm as it like. A lot of the stuff I'm doing is getting more popular. Shit went crazy, dude. These shoes, right? Yeah, yeah I, I like, saw them. I looked them up, and that shit is sick. And I just think it's cool because it's like a little bit different. And what's what did you add the red hit with? Oh, dude, I just the whole thing. Yeah, Yourself. like yeah, like every like all of them. So and basically now there no one else has these, and you have enough to put out, and I'm yeah, sure it makes it sought after and special. And it's bittersweet because after you do a lot of pairs, you start to realize like, wow. Um, scaling it is a lot harder than you think, but when you do it, you're like, your immunity's built up, your threshold's built up, and so then the conversation goes, well, like, if I make this different so it's not so hard, I can probably do a couple thousand pairs, and then you find yourself That's in this a situation. By yourself, though. It is, yeah, yeah. and uh, lacing, I mean... Dude, I lacing shoes this morning took me 30 minutes. Just so I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Phil loves attacking those <laughs> and things. And then too. Phil just ripped the laces out, his dog. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, so that was like products like that I get super inspired by. We did a jacket. I was, yeah, yeah, I want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, not to jump ahead. I don't no, know no, I love that. it. Let's talk um, about it. Because like I said, my passion's out of where. Wait, like, one last question on the me. shoe. Yeah. Um, now, what if Nike sees what you did and they're like, that's doing well, and then they just bite it? That's okay. Like That's I said, cool. I copy everything, so yeah. I don't covet. And, and it's I, almost a nod to you, like, damn, okay, you did something we didn't think of. And on that, my whole ethos, like, of things I believe, and this changed. So when I was younger, uh, there was a lot of pressure to be original, like, you know, whether you're snowboarding, whether you're photos, whether you're designing stuff. And so I constantly felt like I didn't have a big idea that was going to, like, change the world or be the coolest shoe design or anything. It's like, a lot of stress. So I never started. I never started building something because I couldn't find the big idea and I'd spend a lot of time looking for it. Yeah. And then I started realizing like um, basically everything that I'm using, snowboard, skateboard, it's all derivative from something that came before. So nothing's, in my mind, nothing's really original. Like everything's full mixtape. Like, well, especially by this day and age. Right? That's what I'm saying. So, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I love the idea. Once I realized that, I was like, oh my God, like I don't have to design. Even like, I mean... I, like even our DNA were copies of our moms and dads. Like yeah. you look at Henry Ford, that all that stuff he just put together. So all these things that we're using that changed the course of history, the iPhone, all that stuff, it's just combining parts and putting together. So I started to stop trying to like reinvent the wheel and was like, yo, what am I into and how can I combine them all? So if I'm into skateboarding, snowboarding and fashion stuff, let me put those together. And then if I'm into a little DIY, that's my spin that makes me different and putting out stuff like that. So, um, as I start doing that, I have been copied and knocked off, but it's kind of dope because That's even, a compliment. totally. And even when you try to go knock it off, they do it different than I do. Like yeah. I literally, I, I should show you, I have a design of a sweatpant that has been knocked off and it's the same, but it's not. And I still, I'm like, damn, I kind of want a pair. It's like, when Chappelle knocked off Prince and Prince put the album with Chappelle on it, yeah, right. it's like that's the type of shit that I get way into, and I <laughs> love it because I think it's, it promotes creativity and it promotes dialogue, which ultimately is the product, not whatever you're making. So, yeah. So I like that. The thing I think is cool, too, with Hathenbrook is if you look at your shop, it's like you have your staples. You have your sweatpants and your footwear, but then you come with some wild, like you have you had the hard drive. Uh, oh, yeah. or the, the data dump. The data dump. <laughs> data. Or whatever. And then Big you data. have like some crazy <laughs> random ideas, like these really forward-thinking ideas that are like out on a whim 
and I like that blend of like the staple, yeah. but then we're going to like throw some shit at a wall and see if it sticks and, and get create. Yeah. I mean, you guys, like, I love all that stuff and more than anything, I hate being boxed in. So, uh, and it's really hard, especially when you're trying to promote something. So, I mean, even like you get like doing the podcast, doing all this stuff, everyone wants to try to, they want something that's easy to figure out. And my mm -hmm. biggest thing is trying to be harder to figure out because it's really Just complex. Cool. Like life's Copy. complex in yeah, general. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so once I start doing skate stuff, people are like, oh, it's a skate brand. And once I start doing fashion stuff, they're a fashion brand. And now I'm like, oh, I'm doing <laughs> this weird data thing. They're like, oh, I think it's like. Are you I think a he's tech brand? They're like, yeah. So they're like, he's a he's content tech. creator or something. <laughs> and content so, creator. And so the whole thing is like. And that was more to inspire people. Like, I so, like all this stuff. Let's put it together. So what I think, again, it all comes back to like what, what I think is dope uh, for me. And then I try to give that to other people and see if yeah. they like it as well. So and designers sit all day and they're like this is dope this is dope and you got to get your folder together and i guess you're sharing that yeah process with the world which is cool yeah and what i was finding is like uh like a lot of times when you like create something or like um you start cataloging all this stuff uh whether it be like photos or videos or ideas you start to you kind of start to realize like damn i got i compiled a lot of it and what i was finding on instagram is i was trying to create new stuff but the algorithms of social media kept pushing me towards stuff that I already knew I liked. So, like, I know I'm into skateboarding. It's cool you're showing it to me, but how am I supposed to be inspired by stuff, like, that I'm, like, I'm trying, I need something to kind of, like, shock my system to inspire me to make something for skateboarding or That's snowboarding. Sick. And so it's kind of this closed loop. So I started finding, like, inspiration from, like, 1950s tractor design, like, weirdo YouTube videos, like, stuff that made me feel something. And I was like, damn, like, I'm just going to put this together because it's different. And what's on Instagram, which is a lot of these viral videos and stuff. Nothing wrong with that. But they want to figure you out and make it so easy that you're like sick. sick they want to figure sick. you out so they yeah. can they can sell it to advertiser being like, you need a skateboard we kid. You know what this guy likes. You're a skate <laughs> brand. These are the skate kids. So so I constantly was like, well, that's cool. That's marketing. That's, that's fine. But like, how can we go the opposite direction? And so I think that there'll be a trend of privatizing that data now that everyone knows who they're inspired by. Um saying hey look we film snowboard videos or we make this or that um this isn't just a video it's a whole vibe so this is photos from the trip this is the music we edit to matter of fact this is the timeline on how i edit the video so you want to get into snowboard filming here's a template you don't want to start you a brand include that kind of stuff in there yeah so this one's got like uh lease like how i write a lease for a business it's got Damn. a spreadsheet no way. yeah so, we, so you're doing another one yeah yeah so the idea Sick. is i did two and then i ran out of shit and uh <laughs> like I took some time and yeah uh, Dude, so, how to do at least that's sick though, man. Yeah, so basically it's like a creative toolbox for things that I would want to get into when I was younger. So yeah. it's like, how do you um make music? Like what do they use? And even if it's just and then weirdo stuff, like that's what it's like a zine all yeah. on the thing. But uh we had a what do you sell that for? So we did twelve bucks. So my my Dude. idea was like if kids will buy music for twelve bucks and I'd buy music twelve bucks, I bought albums that suck. Yeah. That much knowledge for $12 is insane. Yeah, and I think it's accessible, too. Like, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's, like, people get it, and they're like, I don't know what the fuck I just bought. But <laughs> now they download it. They got to delete that shit off their desktop. Yeah. So at least they're, like, it maybe means a little bit more because it's on their computer. It's not eternal scroll. They have to interact with it. They have to delete it. And maybe they'll keep it longer because it took more to get them there. they what they like and kind of build that folder. It's almost like a men mentor Thing from your brain, I guess. I don't know. That's fucking cool. The cool thing is bringing along, like, the last one I did, I brought, like, 
people that I thought might have cool point of views that weren't mine. Cause it's not all about like, yeah. like my shit's pretty one sided, but I'm like, this dude lives the other side of the world. He's probably into some stuff that I don't even know about. Let's get him on, bring his desktop. Yeah, he definitely is, right? And to be honest, there was some weird shit that came through, but, um, but it was interesting nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't shit that I already knew. Like, Oh man, we've seen this spot before or whatever. So it's, it's almost like some degree of education aside from like formative schooling. Yeah. Totally. Oh, well, I just want to be educated in this weird little like epicenter especially and, being a self-taught yeah person like you are that's really cool i think that yeah i think that I, it might be something that i mean i like it because also as you start a brand you realize shipping right now internationally super expensive so it's also a way for me to share my point of view from salt lake city utah with people in amsterdam people in new zealand people in all over the world that they could download and have immediately versus sending a hoodie and so it's a way for them to interact with the brand and find some sort of um Similar to watching a snowboard video or yeah. something, you know, like find that commonality and a little bit more. And a lot of times they'll hit me up after and be like, yo, that shit was so sick. Like I felt this photo or like that video. So good. Are there any more? They're going to latch on and feel okay. some emotion from something. Totally. So it just cool. opens dialogue. What was the story with these 600? Was it a $600 shovel that you guys were selling? Did, oh, yeah. I, did I read that yeah. somewhere? So that was, that was a bad attempt. So that was, a, it was a... Uh, wasn't a bad Not attempt. Not to jump around. Sorry. No, oh, it's, it's a, good. That's a good subject. I heard it, it was big. It was chrome and... It was. It was cool. I still have it. And actually, I showed up to Rail Gardens with it uh, nice. last year. $600 um, piece on the scene. It's like, so I was struggling trying to combine, when I was in Park City, combine like all my passions together. And I might have been looking a little too deep and too literal at what I was into. So I'm like, oh, expensive stuff. Now I have to have something that says like snowboarding. And so I'd be like, expensive shovel. That's like... And I thought it was cool. It was more crucial of a sculptural tool. piece. Crucial tool out there. Is it a little bit more of a labor-intensive tool? <laughs> yeah. Not like, but I like it. So it's one piece. And was it was heavy as shit? It was, for like, it was for like feed and seed. It was oh, like, it was like a, NSF approved. Those are the toughies. Yeah. Well, like but the it was plastic a metal one. type shit? All metal. Oh, it's all metal. metal. Oh, okay. Unibody. Was yeah. it chrome we talked It's chrome. About? I'll bring oh. it. You guys should... Maybe Dude, find yeah, a zone for it. Yeah, we, that, I'll mount that bitch on the wall. Dude, chrome toughie in the scene? Buds, is it still for sale? I think it's a donation. I think I get donated. Well, I, I don't know if I could afford a $600 yeah. shovel. It's pretty crazy. It's it would, heavy, too. It would still so. be shiny. Buds doesn't use his shovel much. He'd be perfect for him. <laughs> yeah, dude, that would be great. If it was that heavy. It's like that workout. Yeah, I'll be yeah. like, this thing's yeah. heavy, man. I got like three scoops in yeah. voice. Three no, scoops. My neighbors are all like, what's he doing? So, um, Did you, no, you so, sold a couple though? Huh? So one, one. so one kept one. Who was the one person that got the shovel? Just a homie. He was like, dope. It was a guy from Backdoor Deli. Actually, he was across the, across the way from me, and he, uh, he shreds. Oh, he shreds. And too. he nothing really in the shop communicated to him, but that shovel. So like, I six hundred bucks, whatever it was. And I think we, I think we might have even worked out a deal where I got some sandwiches and we traded. Dope, but, uh, he got might have got wholesale on that. But the whole vibe was like, let's try something different. Yeah. Um, but and that's cool. just kind of the stuff you do, huh? Well, it's just try it's different weird. shit. Yeah. The thing, I think, um, I'm like completely fascinated by this because I personally do not understand it. Yeah. Um, is in that world, the the creating the hype, like the the people lined up out the door for a, a piece of footwear or like, you know, paying, you know, like, you know, how you're able to charge a lot for a hoodie or a, the $450 jacket. Like, let's yeah. talk about that because, you know, I'm a normal consumer. They don't always understand that, that my process. Of fashion was uh, derelict in uh, Zoolander. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's about, about as same. far, far yeah. as it goes. I think, like fashion as a whole, I think it's not that hard to understand when you realize that, like, we have favorite skateboarders or we have favorite basketball teams or sports teams. Fashion is very much like that for the younger generation, where um, 
maybe they didn't have that same presence on like who their favorite skateboarder or, or musician almost. But, um, so they, you really are trying to define when you're younger, you're trying to define yourself of like, what am I about? Who speaks to me? What's my brand? And so the fashion thing is like, okay, this guy wears all black. Like I wear all black and he's kind of got this ominous vibe. Like I'm into that. So, um, it's really like finding someone that you relate to, you relate to that defines your image and it can change. And then a lot of it's almost like sponsors where people will combine multiple designers that really speaks to them. Um, for me and speaking to the hype thing, uh, I think a little bit of finding those designers, not so much about the product, uh, even though expensive price tag comes along with it, it's more about believing what those designers believe in. So if they believe in wearing all black, I believe in wearing all black. Therefore, it's $700. It's for the cause. It's for the vision. I'm spending $700 for these shoes. So and I'm that same way. Like, I'm actually uh, pretty frugal when it comes to some stuff. And then other stuff, if I believe in it, like, You'll let's go all money. in. There is no price. Like, I this I'm so about this cause and this person and I'm going to get them because I don't spend money on other stuff, but this I'm passionate about. So I think that knowing that early on and when you try to produce stuff, it's like, I think there was a handful of kids or people that really wanted to challenge the status quo on being like, you can skate, but also be in the fashion so much. So where now it's lopsided to where like, I'm actually really into slat wall, uh, core, almost like early nineties vibe. Um, like you said, it all comes it goes back full circle. Yeah, yeah, you push too hard one way, it comes back. The pendulum comes In- back. Instead of the installation look, it's slat wall. Yeah. And, and so I think a lot of people are like, damn, he's like the fashion guy, but he's like, look, he's wearing all that old shit. Um, and so, <laughs> um, like those DVSs are sick. Um, so I think that I design those. Yeah. <laughs> Number one selling shoe in Zoomies. Yes. yes. Um, it. Uh, so I think it's cool in that in that thing, but the fashion thing it was really just. Uh, you get bored of stuff and, and you get into other stuff. The price tag of it is the one thing that I didn't really like as much on a business standpoint. I liked it cause it was making me more money, but I didn't like how um, exclusive it was. It wasn't that inclusive. And I would see kids that aligned with what I was into and we connected on the, on the same like ideals of like doing different shit and like it being more interesting, but yet they were restricted for the price tag and that, that bummed me out. So that's why I kind of started to tweak it a little bit. Is well, fashion working under the same margins or is it a bigger margin um, of the, the price? So the fashion thing is, is about the same. So about like same. it's just the, the minimums are a lot higher. So mm-hmm. I was spending like a lot of money on shipping and ordering this stuff. And I would just try to picture it as like, okay, this is my schooling. Like, like what kind of minimums for a shop like yours? <laughs> um, so I spent, I would spend a lot of money. So like, um, let's see, like something like a uh, high end designer, low end minimum would be like 15 grand for a season. Damn. And, and then shipping would be like eight grand. So you're in, but this is the best That's part. Some cheddar biscuits. That's right? some, so, yeah. That's some heavy biscuits. Especially for a, a shop in Salt Lake. And that's just like one brand. So then you're combining these. And so you get real good at being like, and so a lot of times I would get in there and be like, they'd be like, you want my designs 15 K. They'd be like, you're in Utah. We never heard of you. Yeah. And then what would happen is what goes on in Salt Lake. Yeah. Are they're you like, legit? how bad do you want it? I'm like, fuck man, it's my only time. They might not invite me back if I say no. Yeah. And so you start, and these are people you respect. And totally. Too, and-, and then you start to be like, Oh, like, yeah, maybe we can figure it out. And then you'd go to ship stuff and like, so it was, it's super stressful. Um, it doesn't sell. You're taking a risk. Totally. But so what I started doing is this is what's crazy is I was getting all this expensive stuff and I realized like, holy shit, half of these kids, like some of them know what it is. Half of them don't, but have the means to buy it. But, uh, they wanted to say half and Brooke on it. And so I started oh, I printing about this. So huh? I started printing on like, I would buy shit. And I was like, damn, some of this stuff. Designers like, didn't care. 
well, I just hit the minimum. So if they care, I was like, I just hit your minimum and jump through your hoop. Like Time to jump you're going to tell me. No. Yeah. And so <laughs> at that time I was like, you know what? Like, what am I going to do? So then I started getting playing Genius. a little, little That's fast dope. and loose. And, uh, and they also didn't care because it's not like it was LA or New York. So like, he's in Utah. Yeah. No, but- no CEOs going to Utah or whatever, but uh, every now and again, I'd hit him up, like, yo, come through. Uh, so it was this cool thing. Did but I anyone think walk those through, ribs. see it, and be like, Damn. oh, totally. I mean, they, and were, they were stoked, or were they like, whoa, bro? I hey, think, man. yeah. So, so essentially, you're rebranding their stuff for the layman. Absolutely. Exactly. Like you're taking their product, cutting the short, cut them into shorts, and then rebranding them or something like that. Which is exactly Throwing what they're doing from the factory. Label. Yeah. Which is what they're doing yeah. from the factory. Okay. So they're buying, they're, so this is why it's so interesting because I was seeing that the companies I was buying from were going to factories in China that all their competitors would go to. They'd buy the same block crew neck sweatshirt, sew their stuff in. I would get it. They'd be like, you can't sew stuff in. And I'd be like, that's what you did. That's what and you yeah. did, bud. And, <laughs> and then it would be this full thing where we'd, we would start there and we continue to push did it. Did you come up with this? Is this something? I, like I said, I probably, I mean, the whole idea, not really. Uh, I mean, people have been doing it with vintage and stuff like that uh, forever. I just, at the time, I didn't really have any other options. You and, had to sell it. You took a commitment. And at the same time, if I'm going to go, I'm going to go all the risk, way. I mean. And I was really enjoying the fact that, like, man, like, these are some of my favorite designers, but I feel like I could maybe push this and make it a little bit sicker if I cut this sleeve off. And at the same time, it was this giant risk because I'm like, what if I fuck it yeah, up? Yeah, once you cut it. <laughs> but, but what if I fuck it up? And so then you're like, well, dude, I'm like... Yeah. I'm not. I'm actually going to make it better because, yeah. like, these kids are coming and they want want it to be touched on. Um, so then you really commit to your branding. You're in the people make it. So like, where, where did you get the name Hathenbrook? So there's a basin in uh, like in between Ashley and Wasatch National Forest called Hathenbrook Basin. Sick. It was named after this guy who actually used to have a general store um, in Salt Lake. And so at the time, me and my buddy Patty were like hiking up there and. I actually couldn't think of anything. It's a dope name. It's I couldn't think of name. anything. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah non-binary name. Yeah. yeah, it's just, like one of those names that instantly kind yeah. of speaks to you. Like, that's cool. Yeah, a lot of people are like, Heathenhagen? Like, what's this What's this thing called? You know? Yeah, and you're like, dude, it's whatever you want it to <laughs> yeah, be. whatever, You guys a skate shop? We are, dude. Come in. Yeah, you guys sell, like, designer. And so that mash of people from different backgrounds, like, all in one spot is the most entertaining thing. Like, we've had everybody from, like, Roseanne Bar in there with, like, skate kids and, like, designer fashion kids. Like, all. She lives in town, huh? Uh, used to, she used went to East, to. yeah, okay. but I mean, all types of people like that, and that's what actually makes it is just that spontaneity of like, this is so weird, I can't understand it. That's the thing, really I, cool. I want, I want to back up on too. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool in that whole thing. Listening to you talk, it's it's almost like there's two sides of people that are are into the higher end design design stuff. It's like there's some people like when you talk about it, it's about the culture or like the the people that really inspire you, but then you have a a large portion of the customer it's a flex flex. it's a flex like yo this shit was fucking eight hundred dollars bro you know right and i think i think that um i mean you're absolutely right and um and that's a lot of the industry and i i actually i i don't look down on them because i was that person you know what i mean and i think a lot of it is keep you in business (laughs) yeah and a lot of the a lot of people too like when you come from a place that like you're trying to demonstrate that you're doing the right thing and you're having small wins one of the ways to do that is to wear expensive clothes or to wear designers to show people around you like hey i'm on the right track and so i think it comes from a very positive place but then it turns very negative almost to like a pretentious zone and so i was trying to walk that balance and still do but um i think that sometimes it's hidden under the guise of like oh it's expensive fabrics or oh it's the design and it's a little bit of that but a lot of it is that's just the way that industry's built um and so i always tell kids that they should know that like if you like something that's expensive 
you should not like it because it, it's expensive. You know what I mean? If you like it, get it. If you can afford it and you yeah. pay your bills. Um, and yeah, your friends that buy skate shit might talk shit on it, but you wanted that. doesn't matter. Like you're passionate about it for whatever reason. doesn't yeah. matter what reason, but you wanted that. So go get it. Um, but you shouldn't be buying it to, uh, you know, look down on other people or flex, but that's so much of like, Bentley, why do you buy a Mercedes, Mercedes Benz? Yeah. Why do you buy yeah. a Beamer? It's yeah. the same shit. Yeah. To a degree, you know? And so you my, whole, my whole vibe is that high, low mix. So like, if you're going to buy expensive stuff, do it in a way that makes it interesting. Don't do it in a clone way where you're doing it to be a package. Take that and mix it with something interesting in your own way. And it's very much like snowboarding or skateboarding where you're like, damn, he skated that spot different. Or it's like ah. just making it interesting is so much more important than it being considered like good or like perceived as good because he's got all the cool brands on or whatever. So I like that a whole idea. But yeah, it's cool. I yeah. like was in uh, Japan a few years back and I remember we were like, there's something about the whole vibe of the store. Mm -hmm. We were at Supreme. I mean, this I couldn't really tell because the price tag, there's like yen and dollars. It's, yeah, like, it's like, and I ended up getting my credit card statement and I didn't realize I bought $400 sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. They, and all they were sweats. was just like yeah. shitty champions. Yeah, you're like, but they had a couple Supreme hits. They, and, yeah. But at the end of the day, like, you know what? I, I like they're sick. You know what yeah. I mean? They're just like exactly what you do. They take they take champion and they slap a supreme, a little like subtle couple of them on there, and it's like and, and the they thing too sell out in three seconds. Yeah, and I paid four hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, for it. yeah, and I feel okay about it. I think too, like it's easy to feel like pretty good about it too when you're like, damn. I always come back and the kids. Supreme is an easy one because it uh, it's kind of the catalyst for the conversation like oh you have a shop or oh, you kind of do skate like supreme yeah. and so supreme is dope just for what it's started wearing supreme is not as cool as it was once before but the fact that they're paying people to put out and continue to put out good skateboarding content i'll always support yeah like anybody taking that money and putting it into something that's inspiring skateboarders snowboarders whatever it may be like that's the most important thing so yeah. when they stop doing that I'll be like, man, they seem guys to sold still out, sell out like hotcakes, even though yeah. it's, if it's not as yeah. cool. Or Stussy, Supreme, like Stussy's probably the biggest one in my mind because they've gone. I mean, they've been around for so long and survived so many different ways, True. and still like are relevant. That it's like this insane thing. So yeah, they've Dead done a really good job. A Stussy T yesterday, still sick. Yeah. yeah, and they hire the right people to make it sick. The shop guys, the guys in their in house, like they they still are like doing their thing. Part of Supreme's thing too is they don't make that many of each item. Huh? I don't commodity, so, yeah. commodity based. Yeah. Where are you going to yeah. sell out? Yeah, and then, then someone will buy it. They're the only one who has it. Then they upsell it on yeah, eBay. And, yeah, yeah, resell it. Yeah. That makes sense with the hype as well. Um, yeah. Then to keep this conversation moving forward, um, I really, again, am fascinated by the forward thinking idea of the vending machine. Can you elaborate <laughs> like your, on that? Your yeah. shop was fully successful. Yeah. Yeah, but, we're cruising. But you closed down. Yeah. So like right now it sits empty. So usually or not yours anymore, I don't know. Yeah, I might get it back though. I might do something uh, else with it. So um so kind of my whole thing is uh but fully that. successful. Fully. Yeah, yeah, no, we're selling stuff and actually he's, what's he's crazy. He's making some biscuits. Biscuit biscuits. We're cleaning up. Made. I mean, not to say mistakes weren't made, but we were able to make mistakes with with like minimal reason saying, yeah, let's take some risks. But let's not go and kill yeah. ourselves and do anything, you know, but we irresponsible. Can, we can agree it's, it was profitable. Shit was good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Still, it's still, still, like, still, still is. It yeah. still is. Well, I mean, it's just because the, brick and, I the say, brick and mortar, I right? say, yeah, the brick and mortar, I yeah. say was because you closed it down, but you took something profitable. Most people would be like, 
let's run with it. Let's run with it. You close down. And part of it's kind of, I do this a lot, which I'm still learning, but like self-sabotage, like as soon as something starts hitting, like now would be the time to hit the gas on the shop, but I stopped short and it kind of goes into the whole, the whole, um, like he talks about building hype and what does that look like? And a little bit is saying, okay, maybe that stopping short is building the hype. Exactly. Though, right. So it's like, if I do another one, it's like, you gotta be patient and play the long game. Like Supreme didn't happen overnight. It was 10 years of being this small shitty shop True. To, to be where it's at. And then it happened overnight. So you know that you're like really, really building this thing up. And along that way you can pursue other passions and stuff too. So with the vending machine thing, I was like, you know what, this is a awesome idea. And, uh, and I want to try it out. And I, I, I see, just to kind of back things up. What gave you the idea? So I love vending machines, always have. Um, I know that there's a ton of them in Japan. So I did a Japan trip Sick. and uh, started taking photos of all these vending machines. And then it was like, could you scale this in a way and still have the same interactions I have in the store, um, but at the, at the vending machine. And part of it was I was having a hard time like not being um, – the like therapist in the store. Like I love talking to people, but there'd be times where like you'd hold court and you'd have like 10 different conversations. I'd have like 20 kids in there just sitting around and They're people trying to shop. You, yeah. Looking up to you wondering like what's tight. What's yeah. Cool? I created this yeah. thing and, um, and they'd be like, yo, I'm going to do a brand. How do I do it? And I love talking to them about that, but I'm like, yo, I got to design new stuff. So yeah. there, you know, there's a brand, so I know how to do it. And, um, so, and it's cool to hear what they're thinking. Yeah. Like trying to get out of, um, the shop, but still offering kids this thing and having the opportunity to say, you know what, we can activate at this kind of community hub that's a vending machine wherever we want. So uh, uh, a example would be like, Chris is going to Bear. I'm going to Bear. We teamed up with this brand. There's kids that, you know, they haven't got the opportunity to meet Chris. They, they don't know who I am. and They haven't even seen this product. Let's get this brand. We're going to wrap the machine. We're going to do a product thing there. And then we're going to tell them at 10 o'clock, we'll be there wrapping out. So if they want to come by, like we're just chilling. That's an opportunity. That's like part demo, part meeting your inspirations. And then if you're like, oh man, I didn't have money when I was here the first time, but I brought my dad back and the machine's still there. I can still buy that hoodie, that hat, whatever the product mm. was. So the accessibility of it being open 24 hours and still being, able to, still being able to give an interaction around this vending machine is still something that like, I'm trying to like do in a way that's creative uh, and I haven't fully figured it out yet. Like we did the vending machine drop. We've done a few different things and uh, it's still challenging. It's definitely not like a shop ethos, but I think if we do it enough, like to activate it, like a Woodward or Brighton or like middle of nowhere, like the coolest thing is putting it middle, in middle of nowhere. nowhere. Like in Japan, for people that don't know, if you've never been in Japan, they got beer vending machines. It's they crazy. got hot tea in the middle of nowhere. They coffee got vending machines. Yeah, coffee. Like coffee. Yeah. Pretty much anything you can put in a vending machine, they got, and it's cool, yeah. and it's sick. And it's, whenever you're there, you're like, man, I wish that was in the States. So on that high-low mix and blending, this is the dream. Um, <clears throat> and it's basically like one vending machine, cool, right? So let's just start naming stuff off. From an entrepreneurial side, okay, say you have a space. Or say you have a pop-up location. Boom, you're doing... Uh, you got merch in one vending machine that's yours. You got some stuff you teamed up with the brand with. My friend owns a water company and he's selling water stuff out. Now it's this culmination of, you know, 14 machines of complementing brands that have an aesthetic. So it's like a food truck park. Oh, you know what wow. I mean? Like vending machines, a food truck or retail, Holy essentially. Yep. But all these brands complement each other. And then you can sell that idea to other brands that want that culture. So let's say Billabong wants to get in and like, man, we want to be a part of that cultural food truck park that has all these vending machines. We want to wrap a machine and do a product with you. What does yeah. it look like? And that's where financially it makes sense. Uh, and that's what a lot of these shops do that subsidize the footwear wall with, you know, vans or whatever it may be. And 
and they're um, they're saying we'll pay for the whole wall. We want to do an installation or a pop up. So it's that, but it's without the people uh, unless they want to be there. So do you have vending machines right now? So I have one, uh, and I have like. Did you like custom make it, or you found one? Uh, so vending machines is interesting. There's uh, there's one maker in the U.S. that is kind of like the Ford. Um, vending vending machines are almost like if you heard like John Deere and stuff tractors. As they they make their technology obsolete after four or five years, so you have to continue buying or investing uh, in it. Yeah. Vending machines is much like that, where um, you're like, "Damn, this brand's sick!" and it's got all the bells and whistles. But within a couple of years, you're upgrading, so they yeah. kind of keep you on the keep you moving. So there's one brand that's like an old Ford truck, and so you can keep getting parts and stuff for it. So it's like trying to innovate and get the coolest looking machine that also will span the longest, you know, amount that's of time. Sick. Yeah. So and now with the COVID that, shit going on, no one, yeah. some people don't even want to talk to people. So yeah. it's almost like you just we put those happened, little, happened. I mean, maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe you did it after COVID, but you did it before COVID. Well, I got a camera in there, so I can talk to him anyways. That's, that's what I wanted yeah, to yeah, talk yeah. about. Talk I've been waiting. That's genius. Yeah, the yeah. camera's genius. Explain the yeah. camera for the listeners. So one, I got to watch what's going on. But two, like I want to see what's coming up. And from a marketing social media aspect, it's like. I, I, there's a movie called Big with Tom Hanks where they walk up to the machine. I saw when I was younger. The movie's dope. And they go up and he drops a quarter and it talks to him. So when you think about retail, you think about the whole vibe of the place. Like you walk up the machine, if it makes a noise, like you walk up and it's like world star, you're going to think of the machine and have this emotional attachment. Big was from when he gets the power. That's where you kind of saw that. Yeah. He goes to like, I forget what the genie's called, but it makes a noise. Yeah. It has a name and it gives him a little something that's so sick man. so so i thought how can we make this vending machine this vibe of where like maybe you smell something maybe mm. you maybe you see something maybe you hear something and whatever you do it's got to be part of that emotional attachment so i was like well i've never walked up on a machine and had an experience through this you know video or whatever no. like filming people so we threw the camera in there and it's fish-eyed out so it looks like an old skate video which is like perfectly on brand for everything i'm into and then i'm like that's the social media aspect right there is people walking up to the machine like all fish-eyed out being like whoa you know so genius yeah Fucking genius and so, they can talk to you if you want Talk to me and it's motion sensor. So I know when I got some business, yeah. it hits the phone and I'm like, kind of like the doorbell setups. Yeah. I imagine that's so sick. Yeah. So it's, um, it's cool. But like I said, it's got some quirks, like obviously like making sure Wi-Fi is there. And also like, since it's new, the hardest part about kind of trying to innovate something new is trying to train people how to use it. Like a lot of people don't even know what it is. They're you like, got to watch out for those chronic masturbators too, that see there's a camera. Is that a thing? Oh yeah. yeah. See there's a camera and they're like, oh snap. Yeah. Those I mean, it might bastards. go viral though. At yeah, the same time, true. you might want to like sponsored post on something like that. <laughs> you know what they have at the airport? I thought about as, I don't know if this is inspo too, but they mm-hmm. have like the best buys that have all the, yeah, the they have like iPads and shit in there. Yeah. Yeah. So can you swipe a credit card? I'm unfamiliar with your vending machine. So mine's only credit card. Yeah. Um, or easy pay, which yeah. basically is like Apple pay, all that stuff. Yeah, can um, you like hook up Venmo to that type of shit? Or? Venmo doesn't do it yet, but like pretty much all the Android, Android devices, or maybe they do all the Android It'll devices and Apple pay. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then it's satellite. So it just goes five, four G five G now, um, and goes straight to the satellite. So, uh, pretty cool in that aspect. Like it's Who's stocks these if they're around yeah so that's the the issue is distribution or you get someone to like buy one like a atm machine kind of set up oh, you could franchise, like franchise. It yeah, franchise. that's the word i'm looking for my, my dream was to put them all around and then to travel to them like demos Dude. um and say yo we're in this middle it, it basically the whole idea was cruise for, here let's come out yeah like a town that i grew up in that didn't have a skate shop didn't have a snowboard shop this is they they can support a red box they can yeah. support a little machine like this well now look at even amazon 
Yeah. They're all over the Sevies and yeah. people can go interact with that. Yep. So now Put one right next to one yeah. of those, plug it into the same spot. So na- yeah. So now that kid in Montana is like, Oh man, this week these guys are coming through on a trip and they're going to be at the machine for like two hours. I can go and get some shit signed and maybe like skate the park with them. And that's that activation point to give that kid an opportunity. Cause there's only about maybe 25 kids in the town, 30 or whatever, but it's still enough to like support a little machine that couldn't support a full retail store. And so, so would you then maybe move the machine would move around? The goal is to put them everywhere and then to have a distribution. And so one guy's yeah. So it manages inventory. So one guy can hop in a van and like stock all these, you know what I mean? And be like, okay, this one's low. We're going to do a totally trip, attainable. So. Dude. Totally attainable. Yeah. It's not it's really I, dope. I, I got to stop and commend you on some, some of those two, the two thoughts that um, you, I wrote down was you, you described the vending machine as the food truck of retail. Yeah. So that so sentence sick. is like, because that right there, you think like when I think vending machine, I think like bland, but you're like talking about cultural, like there's a cultural aspect to a food truck. And then also that like that sensory trigger, you know, that like that like or whatever that sound or whatever that sensory trigger is like those two aspects of the vending machine are fucking genius, dude. I love it. I think just think it's more accessible too to people like everyone's an entrepreneur and now trying to get into a retail spot so expensive you can't even customers can't even go inside. So for this, it's like, Oh, true. No one. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that the timing is kind of wild, but also I think just from like a realistic standpoint of somebody saying, Hey, you know, um, I want a small business where I can sell my, my goods or whatever. Like it, it makes a lot of sense. And it makes so much sense. Yeah. The rent um, is like, it's, it's like, that's insane. dude. You gotta keep, you gotta keep chasing this down and make it. I know that's my problem though. I got so many ideas. It's like staying on one. It seems like one you should really be doing. Yeah. And I always say, always like, Oh man, this is, this is the one. Uh, it's good though. Cause they all like, they all lead you to another point. Like I said, I, I find myself, I'll do it for, I'll get like crazy into vending machines. I'll go back and be like, yo, I want to design this jacket. Like, like I love designing outerwear. And, uh, and so I'm constantly. What was the jacket? You guys didn't quite explain that all to me. Oh yeah. This one's good. Uh, so I seen it. Uh, again, I was having a hard time uh, making outerwear. Cause we talked about like, for those who don't know, making outerwear, the minimums are very high, especially yeah, if you're producing crazy. something. And outerwear I love so much, but making small batch is one of the more challenging things to do and actually making it good. So I was able to get um, these these blocks of the basic Nano Puffy from the same factory that, that Patagonia goes through. Sick. But it's the same Nano Puffy. So same, I'm like, this same stuff. Yeah, I'm like, this is dope, but like this, excuse me. Patagucci's <laughs> charging freaking... $200 for the jacket, you can actually get the material. and Totally. And I'm like, but this isn't really, like, this is a black jacket. Like, everyone's got this same thing, so how can I make it my own? And one thing I found interesting in, in Park City uh, is we're all, we're all striving for authenticity, like, whether we all kind of agree to it or not. So, um, Absolutely. So I would see a lot of people that would pull up in expensive cars, um, but they wanted their jacket to be beat up. And they would come in and, and to show that they've been outdoors. They're authentic. They're authentic <laughs> yeah. outdoorsmen. They have the, but it's like, oh, it's my dad's jacket, and it's all like got holes in it. And and I mean, I'm not knocking it. I like that. Yeah, like yeah. So the I've high low mix. People say that. Though. Yeah, I'm like into that. And um, so I'm like, yeah, man, that's cool. Uh, and so I started thinking about denim. Like you think about uh, blue jeans and the history of denim, and then the cultural shift of denim to wash denim of people buying this broken in thing. And could you do that with the denim of Salt Lake City, which essentially is a staple black nano puffy jacket? That's and so what would sick. that look like? So I was getting these block jackets and putting tape on them and patches and like basically getting these new jackets, cutting them, patching them back, and then giving them like a patina just to be like, 
um, this is that jacket you want that's already worn in. And so it was the wash blue jeans of like a black jacket. And uh, it resonated. People were like down. I liked it, you know. What's like, something like that retail for? So we were selling it for four fifty. So it wasn't it seems Four, kinda four dollars and fifty cents or four hundred and fifty dollars. Four hundred and fifty. I knew the answer, but damn if son. You, people be like, I'm coming in to buy a jacket with duct tape on it. And I was like, Exactly. That's why you're here. Welcome. You know, yeah, I'll um, tell you what, out <laughs> shooting photos, man. Yeah. Always had to put a piece of duct tape so the yeah. filling doesn't fall out because you climbed a fence or whatever you did. Got or, snagged on something. Yeah. <laughs> so that whole thing was something that I was like, if people are willing to go down this path with me, because uh, that's a lot of what the designer stuff is. They were spending way more than four fifty on there, spending you know four thousand dollars on this stuff. It's been over dyed, yeah. under dyed, ripped apart. You know, salvage whatever. So four fifty is really nothing. It was pretty accessible, yeah. So kids that were buying eight hundred dollars jackets like four fifty, but it was just taking that mental leap of like I'm buying a jacket that. Uh, has rips on it and, and tape, it and you're like, well, the one you bought last week is the same one, but it says, you know, Rick Owens versus this one that says, you know, Hathenbrook, and they're like, yeah, you're right, this one is sick, and I'm like, plus you know me, and Dope, and, and so that was like a cool thing, and and I really like that, and we'll do that again because that's like a fun yeah, one it, for me. It totally Dude, makes sense. People, people have been doing that with like jeans, like look at girls, women's ripped jeans, like they're bleached and the knees are fucked totally. up, and they're like twice as much. You know, yeah, so they, the factory pre fucks them up for you. Yeah, yeah. you pay someone in a factory yeah. to wash it. That person's me. Wash it with rocks. <laughs> yeah. Wash it with rocks yeah. in it or whatever they yeah. do. Do that treatment. And I remember, analog had wheel wash. They'd yeah, they throw skate wheels in. That was them like pushing for like. Combine skateboarding with yeah, like, what can we yeah, do? yeah. It's wheel Throw lost. wheels in, yeah. <laughs> and that was a whole marketing thing, which I was like, I didn't know yeah. what to be mad at or like shake their hands. Or hand. stuff. Yeah. The analog was pretty genius. It yeah, some dope shit. Yeah, and a, a lot of guys that were designing that are now like the top tier in the fashion industry. Um, and so now I know why I liked early analog is because I'm like, yeah. I still like some of these designs. So I cool. had this leather analog jacket that did a very small number. I know of. it. The it's one insane. with the Planet of the Apes it's on the insane. inside. I yeah. still got that in my crib. It was expensive. Like, yeah, I'll never. Yeah. I had a buddy that linked it up for me. But yeah. I, that in the inside is when, like, the Statue of Liberty with that scene, and it's so yeah. sick. And I was just like, dude, this is the sickest thing ever. I tell kids all the time. Never get rid of that. Yeah. Well, like, the coolest thing, literally, like, in the fashion industry is, like, most of the people that are in there came from skate, snow, or music. Mm -hmm. Like, half the people I talk to, whether it's the design side, a lot of them designed for Burton, and now they're top tier. Like, it's it all starts like a lot of that culture starts in places like this. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I always tell kids like, it might not seem that accessible from where you're sitting right now, but just like, I mean, even like with Trevor Andrew and stuff yeah, like that, that, like that made that connection with Gucci was a snowboard photographer. Yeah. Like that, it's that convinced them to be like, dude, don't yeah. cease and assist. Let's just yeah. go meet them. I think that kind of helped me a little bit too, because once I started kind of embracing the board world side in these places that are more fashion it gave me more authenticity we were like oh but he like we think skateboarding is cool we think snowboarding is cool he's like one of those people so like yeah yeah he's you know versus yeah. like being a fashion dude in the fashion yep. thing and so once Makes i sense. once i saw it helping me i kind of leaned into it a little bit and was which like, is dope yeah. like yeah you see our last skate video because you've made skate <laughs> that's skate what i wanted videos, to pivot yeah. yeah i wanted to pivot and talk about the fact that you basically had three and a half four well let's go we'll call it four pretty much i yeah. would say very very successful skate videos to go along with Hathenbrook the whole time and so it's like they were it's like a, labeled Hathenbrook yeah, yeah exactly and so the whole thing is that they're it's like it, it's an interesting one from from the way I look at it is you know these this like as a skateboarder it the skateboarding unit's incredible it's awesome and I, to me the, the some skateboarders are buying it but it almost seems like the the consumer is more of your uh like I don't know like a college kid I don't know who the consumer is but 
not, it's, a, not necessarily your core skateboarders, your consumer. It's weird, man. It's um, for, uh, to kind of start that. So uh, I have a couple, I have, when I moved to Salt Lake, I was lucky enough to like have some really good friends kind of embrace it. And a lot of them are a couple years younger than me. Um, two filmers, Colt Morgan and Seamus Foster, like the most oh, those, creative. Those guys are doing the filming. So Seamus, Seamus edits it all. Colt and Seamus have filmed that whole thing. And Seamus had a video called Ramp on Wall I saw when I was in um, Park City. And like literally was like, here's these guys with the ramp cruising Extremely around Salt Lake. Talented, these guys. Yeah, and like the editing, what they were doing, it wasn't even wasn't the hardest tricks, but it was so entertaining to watch. And I was like, man, if I get and they just kind of like let me in, and then we just started doing this thing. And still, like we shoot all sorts of product videos, and they're so creative. I almost got to like step back or I I mess it up yeah. because <laughs> I come from a different spot and I I over engineer stuff. So I'm like, I trust you guys, and but. Like, That's how you get the best work done, though. Don't absolutely. micromanage. Let somebody. Yeah. You, you got them for a reason, man. Yeah. Yeah. And Seamus, I mean, for people that don't know Seamus Foster, he he did the FSBS videos with Forrest and, like, that whole, like, super creative. But he filmed this clip in the Polar Skateboard video that's, like, still, like, my favorite clip um, of the skateboarder Nick Bozzario that um, is probably one of my favorite skate clips of all time. And it's crazy to think that, like, I don't know, that's, like, that Salt Lake has a thing that's globally seen. But, um but with the skate videos, you're absolutely right. So the market, everyone that doesn't skate wants to skate. And if they don't skate, they want the board for their wall. And that's kind of similar how Supreme, like most people that's buying true. Supreme yeah, don't skate. Supreme. I didn't think about that. Yeah, so it's like this, it's this weird thing of trying to do both. And it's a balance. It's, a, it's hard, to, it's hard to, um, to really be authentic to the core guys, which is a, <laughs> being a core guy is so tough because you don't want to conform to anything, but yet you want something new and cool. But if it gets too new and cool, you got to find something yeah, new to. You combine. almost hate everything. Yeah. But you Once it gets too popular, yeah. you yeah. hate on it. Yeah. So, so the core guys, I think they like that I do weirdo stuff because it kind of aligns with their trajectory. Yeah. And then most of the kids that don't skate, they're like they just want the logo on a T-shirt because they're part of that thing that kind of defines it. And like I said, I like both sides of it because I've, I've been both sides of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, but the skate stuff is something that for the first time in a long time we're going to do decks, and I've oh, always stayed away from exciting. decks. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary at the same time because when you love something so much, you're like, I don't want to ruin this, mm. you know. And so I've always, sick, I think it's. I I think it'll be cool. I just think that like it's definitely one of those things where it's hard to you can't just put one out and stop. Like it's a full commitment to yeah. like this is a vibe, and uh, but we don't want to fuck it up. <laughs> that's a degree that you. I that's a degree that you love the culture of this shit yeah. because the margins are trash on those things, right? Yeah, and I think I think though like um, so. What's, this is going to be crazy. So the whole thing with the vending machine, one of the reasons to start is is basically if you have a vending machine and you can sell skate decks out of it, which I've, I've vending a skate deck out of vending machine, it'll change the whole industry. One of those at every skate park will change how people buy skateboards. If you set it up on the side of machine, you Dude, buy Lizard trucks. Lizard might be your biggest customer. If yeah. he breaks his, is he the one who breaks for you? <laughs> oh, I focus, I focus boards. but I don't, He'll yeah. be lined up by, buying boards right at yeah. the park. This if guy. they're flat. <laughs> 24 hours, you go on a Sunday, you get a deck out of the vending machine. But the bad part about it is if it gets in, I don't say gets in the wrong hands. If it's done the wrong way, it'll skew shops. It'll it'll make the good shops. Like, it'll steal money from this them. This is evolution, though, isn't it? Yeah, but I, but it can be done... Uh, I think it can be done hand in hand to where like the vending machine is outside the cool shop to bring people to That's it, but it's open say, 24 that hours. Shop should just get your vending machine. If so it's got to be done cohesively. Yeah. So there's like this agreement. So that's really the goal. Um, my fear is having the dudes that are, you know, just producing blank decks being like, Oh, here's money to be made. Let's put it around every skate shop. And we're just doing blank decks and blank wheels with no culture behind it. Yeah, um, that sucks. I think skateboarding doesn't buy into that though. I, I hope not. Yeah. 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 That would, that's yeah. kind of to me, man, 
I haven't skated in a long time, but when I was young, the graphics and the colors and everything oh. about it and was sick. Not as Copus was my first sport. I was yeah. So, yeah, totally so hyped. The Panther just yeah. like that shit was sick. And people are the particular. Culture. Like for me, I can't skate. A, I've been skating girl chocolate eight that's flat for the past four years. And if I step on something else, I like want I'll put it in the trash immediately. So it's like people need their specific little their whatever it is. So if you guys are hitting like a specific shape, the yeah. blanks the blanks are fucking bullshit. Nobody wants a blank. Yeah. And that's been the thing. It's taken me actually a lot of time to figure out well, I to figure out, but to get the right end to make the good decks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's so I think just being patient with all that and just knowing like, hey, Let's not force anything like let's do it when the time's right. And uh, the time actually feels like perfect right now and feels for the right reasons. And it's like, yo, let's do something that like we're hyped on. And um, so, but it's also, like I said, it's, it's scary, but it, it uh, it's cool. You know, are it's, the skaters in the videos all from Salt Lake or yeah. So we did three videos that are all Salt Lake, uh, all Salt Lake guys. And, um, and so we want to do a trip real bad. So get we've those been, kids on the road. Yeah. Like we were just like, let's do like some weirdo spots in Wyoming. And then we've made a bunch of international friends that also skateboard through those videos. And so it's pretty cool. Cause now we're like, you can just roll up. Like these guys have a spot. Yeah. We could go and stay for like a week or two and like film stuff. So, um, it's pretty cool. It's, um, like I said, I, I can't really take that much credit. I literally just show up with my gallon of water and those guys, like the you filmers and the skateboarders are like so <laughs> sick that, um, that I'm just like, just, I'll touch on it where it needs touch, but like I trust you guys and that's, I trust everything you do. Like, yeah. he's, he's actually not. He's that's not true. No, no, I'll really? tell you no, exactly how it goes. No, down. No, I'll show you no. exactly because I've been on the session a couple times. No. He shows up with a gallon of water and he goes. He basically tries to like bust like a fucking ender on the spot. Oh and, like, yeah. I feel no, like he's. You're always swinging for the fences, but you're batting like shoot one extremely high. You like she shoots super yeah, high. Yeah. But he's batting like one for six. But when he does get one of those one it's for six ham. clips, it's like a certified A grade. You know Damn, what I mean? Dude. Like, like I don't know. Those miracles happen every. <laughs> the miracles happen every now and again. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, you're talking not one about out this. Of six times, us. man. It's it, yeah. It's like one out of. I'm literally sending texts, being like, "Don't give up on me, guys." Like, Sick. you know what I mean? Because it's an investment. Spot like ten times. Yeah, for sure. And, and <laughs> them all knowing last time you said like. I'm not leaving until I get this, but you left and you didn't get it. And you're like, you're like, Fuck, I can't say that. And again. they're all like, we'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's sick. So, man. But it's pretty cool. Like I said, Salt Lake in a hole and just like, it's, it's so different than any part of the world just because the people that snowboard, the people that skate, it's a different vibe. And, uh, it's cool, man. It's like, everyone's doing cool stuff. It sounds like you're helping to put it on the map, man. I'm just happy to be part of it. Like yeah. I said, it's, the everyone, videos go crazy. I get a lot of people that are like, Oh, you're doing this. It's never been done before. I'm like, Literally, I'm copying everybody that I'm into. I'm just packaging it different. Like, I can't claim credit. Like, this is all the stuff that people came before me, inspired me. Like, I'm still watching old snow videos, old skate videos. Yeah. And um, and so I'm like, sure, I'd love to take credit. But really, like, I'm just combining these things. So let me show you where my inspiration comes from. Like, it's old, you know, a trans world video or something You're like that. You're modest about it, too. but, man, that's, that's <laughs> it has how a, it's done. You it know? has an impact on the culture for sure. And the thing that I'm a fan of is... Caleb likes to skate the. It's a handicap ramp that goes over the oh, bar, you heard you tell the, the bump over yeah. bar. Handicap ramp, the, God, we, is, yeah, that, we, is we, that the word? Of the street? We, we call them bump to bars. Yeah. Bump to bars. So B to B, I, yeah. I was actually. I, I don't think he had my number saved, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But there was a minute where I had Caleb's number and I was taking pictures of bump to bars and texting it to him. He who's so he from? was getting just anonymous bump to bars Dude, coming sick. through. <laughs> He's like, "All right, I'll go find that." And I was like trying to be like, 
oh yeah like how's it run up like i didn't know you know what <laughs> I mean? I didn't, to feel them out yeah being like i don't know who this is but like but, but thank you yeah i was like oh man am i being like it's like a bad spot and then i think we connected on it actually like a year after he sent it to me he, he rolled up he's like i sent you a bump to bar and i was like that was you i was like we rolled up to that thing i was like it's kind of crazy i was like it's doable if you want to go back um no it was rad and yeah the bump to bar thing is something uh i had a folder i could never do them when i was younger and then some something clicked and i did like one and I was like, man, I'm gonna do them all. Like, if I see one, I'm gonna try to do That's it. And it, it, like, mentally, it was like this cool kind of like checkpoint um, for me in life. And uh, and then I maybe, like I said, over engineered it a little bit. And the homies are like, yeah, it's cool, but like we've seen every bump to bar in Salt Lake. So <laughs> if it's not interesting, maybe pull back a little bit. That's sick, though. But yeah, it's cool. Well, those things are hard to get over. Those ramps don't give you much. It's like a mental thing, yeah. yeah. Especially as you get older, you're kind of like, oh man, I need a little more pitch on it. You know what I <laughs> mean? He was talking about the other day. He's like, I think Bumped Bar is built pre this time. Have an ADA ramp <laughs> code, right? He had no oh, all yeah. the specs on the shit. <laughs> he's, he's got Pre-dated. the degrees figured out. Well, at some point, I started being like, I can't get over it, so maybe I can like go through it. Uh, oh, yeah, that was hippie, the, hippie hop yeah, yeah. Bumped Bars. Yeah, yeah that, that was like a fun one where I was like, uh, is that still sick, you know? Um, so it's cool. I like, I mean, really just trying to be like creative around all that stuff and um, and not force anything, just say... We're at the spot. The homies are here. Like, let's see what happens, and let's not have a prepackaged idea of what this looks like because none of us know. And and uh, then once everybody that I think is creative kind of touches on it, ends up. I don't know. I, I really like a lot of the films and stuff. So that's sick. It's cool. So we want to do a snow one. We want to do like a oh with the brewer, yeah, with the hats and stuff. We want to yeah, do what's like the deal with brewers. Yeah, talk about brewers. So the Hathenbrook stuff, like I said, it, since some of it carries like a higher price point and it's kind of weird, it um, it's not accessible to everybody. And so I started getting bummed on that. I started being like, man, this is sick, but I only have like 10 of them. And like this kid's so hyped on what we do, but like I, I need a product for him and um, without diluting the rest of what I kind of built. And so uh, I loved hats. I love the fact from a business standpoint, like just headgear was like non-seasonal, no genders, yeah. um, no sizing. So financially I'm like, oh, like I can invest in this hat thing and I don't have to think about it too much. Like it doesn't have to define me like Hathenbrook did. I had so much of my own personality in that. And what we were doing that like, this is like, let's just like kind of let go of the wheel a little bit and like have a little bit more fun with it and do something kind of strange. And uh, so last, also I hadn't snowboarded in a long time. And so it was an excuse for me to be like, I got to go to the mountain to get, get some content <laughs> or like roll around or whatever. And really that was me saying like, I miss snowboarding, you know what I mean? I want to do it again. Um, and so we kind of brought this hat brand with it. And it's me, my, I have a friend in Montana named Jordan, who's like childhood friend. And, uh, and we would always be like, yo, let's do a brand. And that was like, okay, like, let's do this together. And so he still works his job. I, like, try to design hats. And it's been super fun because we're not thinking about it too hard. And then, ironically, every cool snowboard in the world's embraced it. So dude, uh, I hear about dude, it all the time. It's so dude, sick. I'm going to piss my pants. Yeah, I got, I got to piss, right too. Back. Let's both pop. We'll <laughs> Sorry about that, dude. Like- Get up right. the tap. Brewlers. So um, as far as the – as far as the Brewers go, who you got on the squad? Yeah, who is on the squad? Dude, it's stacked. Right now, like, uh, everybody's been super supportive, and they know, like, this thing. When, whenever you start a brand, it's fast and loose, and you're trying to figure out what it is. And I tell these guys constantly, like, we want to build this thing out for you. You know what I mean? Like, I know what I'm into. And they're like, no, that hat's sick. I'm like, yeah, but, like, like again, with the inspiration, it's like this whole thing is, like, I know where I want to take it, but, like, if it doesn't work for you guys. Like, I've been in your position before, and if people hand me whack shit and want me to wear it, it's like I want to be able to say, like, Dude, like, do you and have, these kids today aren't scared to be like, oh, it's kind of whack. Yeah, no, and so it's <laughs> it's dope, and I want that, you know. I, so 
we sent a bunch of boxes out, and then uh, so we Jed's got a box, and uh, and Kuzik's got a box. Dustbox kids are like fully lubed out. We got Sage. I mean, I see Sage rocking Sage. It too. That kid's awesome. I mean, I knew him since gold medalist wearing those things. Him and Griff and that whole squad. Blake Paul. Like when they were all younger, I was lucky enough to like. I don't know, see him in the park and stuff. and um, Meet him and get to know him. And- yeah, and, and so it's really cool because that's come a long way. Like, they're so supportive. And to see, to be able to, like, send a box to somebody and then within, like, 48 hours see him in a helicopter with it with, like, it, it's insane. You that's know what insane. I mean? Like, it's really cool. And I think that's something that, like, one, I think it's the age demographic of the kids that we have in snowboarding now are, like, really taking care of the industry. Like, I remember reading, like, a snowboarder long ago. It was, like, a launch series, and it was, like, that young group of guys is so solid, and a lot of them now are, like, the top of the top, and they're leading out. I think it's in really good hands, uh, and part of it shows when, like, I don't know, they're supporting in that way. So uh, who else we got? Uh, oh, we got a bunch of people. We got, we got the box, though. Parker that. Zumowski. Zo- Parker, uh, Park Zoom, Park Zumowski. Mm-hmm. Zumowski. Yeah. I always mess his name up. Yeah. Uh, Boggs is in. Um, Shouts to Boggs. You can give him a couple air. I'm going to miss Sony Kale. Oh, Kale, Kale get, I was going to say, you want me to Google the team list? Dude, I, have, I, I, had to actually, I had to like write a list just because like it was kind of a jib girl. Uh, oh, shout out to Yeah. We got, uh, oh man, we have, what else we got? Then we got like a bunch of friends. Like the idea behind it too is like, like Peter Sutherland is a dope photographer and a good friend of mine. Uh, like his whole style and just like, where he sees value just aesthetically and different things I love. And so like he's in and Jim's in like, so it's, I mean, I love that these guys are all talented, but more importantly, like they're all just like so ahead of their time and the style and everything they have. It's like, I just want to be a part of that. And uh, so it's cool. I'd like to touch on the fact that we had a pretty legendary powder day this winter. Uh, it you know, nuked. I bookmarked and, that the other day. And, and uh, he, yeah, it was funny because he kind of almost brought that that streetwear fashion to the mountains on a pow day. On a pow day, the thing I he was actually he was rocking a lot of cotton. The uh, um, the functionality. And water dude, I gotta I gotta <laughs> be honest. I used to wear cotton for years, yeah. dude. Even though I knew it wasn't the right choice, yeah. I was just like, "Fuck it." He went oh, open know, jacket, yeah, yeah. open jacket on the big dog. That's well, dude. That's just flavor, right? Yeah. There. Well, it was one of those things. I was already kind of like everything was soaked. And so I'm like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna Fuck go it. all the way. Yeah, Fair I was out. like, it's not like I'm gonna get any drier. So, uh, so we sent it, but that was super fun. Uh, it was awesome. You guys even invited Where were you guys? Me. It was Brighton. Just uh, we ride Billy's Billy launching yeah. all the cliffs. Like we had a the vinegar was flowing. He's basically in a full denim kit with cotton underneath. It, it, on, it was on the white, sickest pow day. <laughs> full pow day white hoodie. We'll insert the clip in the video. I have it on yeah. my phone. White hoodie. No, it was, white, it was white from the snow. It oh, was a black yeah, yeah. It, was, yeah, it didn't start yeah. white, but it was white afterwards. <laughs> it um, just started crusting up. I was kind of fanning out, too, because, like, all these guys were going. And, like I said, like, as far as, like, having, like, all my inspiration on the hill and then being included, it was, like, no matter what goes down, this moment's epic. And also, like, pow day. You know what I mean? Like, it was, like, this is so sick. So, um, who was, so I had to unzip the jacket. Uh, there was on it. Um, <laughs> the edit's insane. Good yeah. crew. Yeah. I think G-Don was there. Maybe. G-Don, Harry, Harry G-Seebs. Uh, we had a legendary crew. It was one of those jump off anything days. Yeah, Prady, I think was MVP though. Definitely, that dude so good. He's good at skating too. Got, uh, got the old dog out kid. with the young kids, huh? Yeah, yeah. I was like, who's the old dog? 
you dog. Oh yeah, yeah. You gotta keep the you gotta get the old dog out you with gotta, the young dogs. It's yeah, like, it starts to make you feel younger. Like the prodi the prodi or um the, <laughs> the bee fox analogy, it's like when you got a dog that's about to die. Yeah, and get, you get the new dog. Kids. Yeah. You get the new dog, that's kinda was, like me. was B Prodi wearing a beanie or was his hair just looking good on a pal? Yeah, upper management was here with Brewlers. So, I think oh, I had, so yeah. oh yeah, you got him yeah. wearing the beanie. Have you ever seen him out on the pallet? Oh, yeah. His hair looking it's awesome. <laughs> it was funny. So that was that was so stacks or stacks drops this insane oh, yeah, cliff. That's yeah. He drops this insane uh, Sam Taxo drops this insane cliff in that I edit. think I seen some of this actually on the yeah. gram after I posted it. Yeah. And I'm standing right behind him on this insane double cliff drop. Like I, I'm pretending like I know Brighton. Like I, I've never ridden Brighton till this past year. And I oh, I'm, really? in, I'm, in like, I'm in love yeah, with it. No. Like I'm like so hyped. And uh so I'm following Stax, being like, I still got it. I don't know where he's going, but I'm in. And uh he goes to this zone and he looks back at me, he's like you might want to cut over here. No, yeah, yeah. He was like, he was like, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy down here. You're about to get cliffed this. out, son. I was fully cliffed out, and I even tried to play along and was like, yeah, yeah. No, I think I got something right over here. I had nothing. I was just trying to like stay alive, and he did this the gnarliest thing. And I saw it was it from big the dog top. shit. Yeah, and so um, you forced off it. Oh yeah, I, I like. I mean, you could you couldn't see what I did, but you could hear it because I was just like sliding down rocks and stuff. <laughs> and, and I heard everybody at the bottom be like, "Is Caleb up there still?" And they're like, "No." And I was like, right beside, him, like, "No, man, I made it down. I went right a different zone." <laughs> yeah, and I just had to like I literally had my line. fully just but, big uh, mountain cotton just ragged all <laughs> into the woods. Cotton. I was like, in, I was like so hyped that they didn't see what I had to do to get out of that zone. They would have been just stoked you made it down. But shit. they all kind of were like, yeah, he was up there with us. And I was like, yeah, man, we all, we came down different routes, but we were all there, you know. Dude, that zone is the shit, though. I'm in love with Brighton right now. Yeah. like, And I kind of feel like I appreciate it now more than ever. Uh, and so, yeah, it's cool. It's yeah, insane. I, I kind of want to circle back around to a couple things I was just thinking about as you were talking. And you've had, you know, still have, I shouldn't say had, you still have, Hathenbrook, you got the vending machine, yep. and you got the brewlers, and it's like you're talking, you know, you close the brick and mortar, mm-hmm. and I feel like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the beginning stages of a brand of launching yep. is the most exciting part, and it's like that, just just being on that, like, the launch phase is, and not sticking around for it to be too stagnant, or moving the target, hitting that moving target. And so when I close this flagship people were like are you bummed uh, but i had already done that so like every three years i close i close and go to something new uh one because i feel like i'm evolving and the store's evolving and the things like the first store was american heritage the second one was expensive kind of park city vibe the third one was art driven skate and like high end and like i said i'm going more to like a core r- route with this next one so i'm like i kind of want slat wall and like display cases like maybe i'm the click you know what i mean like maybe it's this weird like journey i'm on and um so I think that, like, I've done it enough now. I'm not scared of closing, which a lot of people, they get so scared. Like, their shop defines them. And I'm like, dude, this is just another chapter. Like, I'm evolving, and I, I like smart, that you want this dude. here. But, like, I'm still learning what, like, I'm into. Um, and then with all these, like, brands and store concepts and stuff, too, like, you learn each time you do it. So um, it's one of those things where it's almost like edging a little bit to where the coolest thing about opening a business, and, like, if you talk to anybody successful – like I would get crazy successful people that come to the shop where I'm like, dude, why are you in here talking to me out of all the people in the world with like how, I guess, financially successful people. Um, and every time that they would talk about it, it was like, oh, I remember like, I was like you, I was starting this in my garage or like I was doing it. And that's what they talk about. Not like the millions of dollars they have and stuff. I'm sure that they're comfortable with it. But the most value they see out of all that is a time where they were like best of times, the worst of times where they were like starting that out, grinding with their friends, doing the mail order in the garage, whatever it is. Yeah. And so seeing that, I kind of like, 
I know that I can't do that forever, but I've been able to do it enough to where like, oh, you have a little success. So like, turn it off. See if you can do it again. And then you get this like weird confidence saying where you're like, yo, I might like switch the flow a little bit and do something else. And, and financially, it's probably not responsible uh, forever. Like you self-sabotage what you're doing. But from a point of like, really loving what you're doing and having value in it like it's so dope and i'm I'm super like lucky to even have that opportunity most people are like i'd love to do that but like if i close my business like i'm out of business so i think being able to make enough mistakes early on to know like this mistake will sink your business this one's kind of fun you know it's it's also smart too because looking at that space of you know, fashion or whatever you want to call it. There's trends in, in all aspects, yeah. whether it's snowboarding or skating or all that. Yeah. Like take, for example, S footwear, you yeah. know, like early two thousands, the cost in two, the puffy shoe, it yeah. was like booming, right? Yeah. You take that shoe, you put it on a shelf. Nobody's going to buy it right now. They want the van slip on or they want yeah. this. So it's like having to, having to constantly be hitting that moving target and yeah. stay ahead of fashion is exhausting. So it's like, fuck it. I'll shut this thing down for a minute. I'll do this. Yeah. And I'll be in that honeymoon phase of the brand is pretty sick. Totally. It, it takes like a lot of it's being patient. I mean, a lot of it, especially like anybody that's in a brand or retail knows that like there's going to be days where no one's going to come in. You're going to do a zero day and you're going to feel like repainting the store, reorganizing because shit's not popping off and being able to know like, yeah, I just need to go skate or like, I, like I need to step away from this for a day and yeah. knowing that that day is coming is a good, like for me, I would get so antsy and be like, I mean, the first five years, like no one was talking about us, no traffic to the website. No one even knew what it was. I was explaining to every customer what the concept was. And there'd be days where like people would like come in and be like, Oh, this is sick, but I'm going to buy a hat. Like, cool. But like, my rent's so expensive in yeah, Park how City. Am I paying rent with yeah. This $20 bill I just and, and so you're like, man, I'm going to like go to the recycling center and get some paint and some old wood and like make a new pallet like table or some shit over here. And then 30 people would come in while you got the store wreck, you know, <laughs> one to buy. And you, then you just look so unorganized and knowing that that timing and that kind of waiting for it. It's like fishing or something. If you get antsy, but it's stressful. Um, so like if you're younger and you want to, you know, start a brand or whatever, like having a mentor, like finding that and asking them lots of questions. Like some people will be like, yo, fuck off or whatever. But the right person's there, there's no wrong question. So yeah. ask them everything. And so I just kept asking enough people and I've kind of found different mentors along the way or things I like and try to grasp to them. And the dope people will be like, yeah, dude, what do you need? You know, yeah, that guy, I, you. I experienced that. I hit yeah. you up about a hat, and then yeah. all of a sudden, he's uh. sending me sources and links and <laughs> yeah. screenshots, and it's like, this is your this. Uh. And so you're, I've witnessed that. There's two types sure. of people. There's one, some that are, like, kind of haters, and they just don't want to share any information, and there's yeah. others that are Easter just like, famine people, kind of. Yeah, and there's other people that are like, dog, let's do yeah. this. What but do dude, you need? And if you covet stuff, you only kind of, like, hinder yourself. So I, I felt like if I wasn't continually looking for new resources – I wasn't moving ahead. I was yeah. stagnant. So I was like, give my resources up. I can still use them whenever, but I it's, should still look for karma, like, pushing. Dude, it comes back. Totally. If you have that, it'll come back full circle. And yeah. I always believe in just sharing those resources. Yeah, doing whatever you can, man. Help it, people out. Don't be it. And the people that be the other person. Yeah. The people that like have been successful, no matter what it's done, they know it's like half, like not even half of it, probably like 10% is having the right resources. The other 90% is actually going out and doing it. Yeah. So like you can have, all the opportunities in the world, you have financial backing, you can have uh, know where stuff gets made, but going and doing all that shit and still looking after it after you've been looking at it for like three months and not being sick of this project, whether it's music, snowboard video, whatever, and still being hyped when it comes out, that's the real trick. Like that's the total thing is not being bummed out on it. And so the people that have done it are like, dude, whatever you need, I got you. Just follow through, make it as dope as you can. 
don't kill yourself. Well, <laughs> you know? I, I kind of want to circle back on that and keep going on the advice because that's it's pretty awesome. And from what I'm hearing, it's almost like pe- people are winging it. Like you're just you're just going for it. And totally. e- even us with the podcast, like it might seem like we know what we're doing. We are fully fucking winging it. We have no idea what we're doing. Like totally. we, we're just like jumbled around. Like I got a fucking spoon there under one of the GoPros, like holding it up. Like I don't even have a tripod. Like it's See, just, but I don't think it's, it's a spoon. I think it's a tripod. I think <laughs> I you should think sell those. I think it's you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's a bombcast tripod. And that's like that's like hundred bucks. Yeah. See this guy. He's a, he's a opportunist. He's a yeah. very. And then, do you have any other advice for people that are sitting there that are like, I'm thinking about starting a brand or like, a shop Absolutely. brand or anything? You know? Absolutely. And I get asked, like, like, there's a lot of kids out there, like, want to do stuff. And I think that, um, for the record, everyone told me no and continue to tell me no. Like, is it a good idea? Like, they, you never have this brand. You'll never be able to do this. You'll never be able to do that. And it just means kind of, like, not right now. It, it never means, like, it's not going to happen. Um, yeah. And so, like, and then you get to sit down with those people that told you no. People and, love to say you can't do shit. Totally. <laughs> good no, no, the hardest part is to sit down with somebody that told you no. And and be like, yeah, yeah, man, so good to meet you. And you'd be like, you told me you'd never do this. Yeah, and and, and but you can't say that. You're like, oh, dude, good to meet you too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you right. know. And you're like, told me two years, I'd never had this opportunity, and now like I got the opportunity. Here I am. So, yeah. So and that's still chill. Like maybe it wasn't their fault, but um, advice. I like when people say no, you know, it's like yeah, like all right, all cool. Right. Like I'll ask you in a couple hours. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you can't you can't front board this King Krill. Yeah. Oh, I can. <laughs> and that was a little bit like I mean. We'll, we'll circle back to the brand thing, but it just reminded me that was a little bit of when I started. I spent probably the first five years trying to get invitations to other people's uh, brands or parties or social circles or like cool shit. You know what I mean? I, whether it be like in snowboarding or skateboarding or the fashion world, everything's kind of clubby um, and kind of tight knit groups. So I was like, man, if I have these brands, I'll get invited here. And uh, I just, I started to get super frustrated because I like couldn't get the opportunity I was looking for. I was in Utah. I was cold emailing people trying to like, get stuff popping off. And, uh, and then like on the skateboard vibe, I started thinking about it. I'm like, dude, I've never got invited to skate a ledge in front of a business, but I've always had fun skating a ledge. And a lot of times I've gotten a trick. Like I've never got the invite. So like, why am I waiting for an invite now to like design this product I want to design? You yeah. know what I mean? Like I'm trying to go get the trick. So like if I'm going to do a jacket that's got tape on it, I'm just going to do it. I'm not going to wait. For, you know what I mean? I'm not yeah. going to wait for the invitation to do it. Yeah, like I've never do done it. that. And so with new kids, I think there's a lot of like, oh man, like I want to get in this store. Like, how do I do it? Or like, I want to make this product. Like, so you just start doing it. And most of the people, they're more motivated by missing out than by gaining. So like, like most in, if you're trying to be like a snowboarder, or a skateboarder, or whatever as well, like if you like sponsor me, they're like, yeah, no. but if you're like, Hey, you're going to miss out. If you don't, they're like, fuck, don't want to miss out like but if you tell them like yo you're gonna gain a lot they're like yeah we're good yeah so we're good. so a lot of it is uh fomo marketing yeah so a lot of it's like <laughs> yo i'm pushing no matter what FOMO you can hop marketing. on you know you ride on the cape or you know you can chill but um circling back around to starting a brand i think my advice for kids um uh, again is just starting um just because like you can't see like point c from point a and if you think about it too hard, that big idea concept, you're never going to start. And so once you start, you just, you'll start doing more projects more often. You'll get better at it and you'll find like your rhythm. Like you have to be fluent in your language. And for me to be fluent in my language of design or whatever, I copy people because like, I mean, you start thinking like, like I said, everything, I mean, Richard Pryor copied Cosby. You had, yeah. uh, you know, everybody, 
everybody's copied everybody. Even like a designer, there's a fashion designer named Rick Owens. He's like one of the biggest U.S. fashion designers, and especially the younger generation. Um, I mean, he got his start from uh, bootlegging designer shoes, Sick. and then his shoes are now designer. So it's the whole thing's ironic. But I would just say just start, and then um, set a realistic expectation. Like most kids are like, I want to collect, I want to make a 17 piece collection, and it's like, dude, no. Do a t-shirt, design it dope, sell 100, come back and do two. You know yeah. what I mean? And just a realistic thing that you can scale. Um, it's not creative. It's not It's not that fun, but that's a designer thing is being able to say, I want to be creative, but right now, to be creative, to pay for it, you have to scale an existing design. And the hardest part is it's redundant, and but that's what you have to do to put the money back in. So, um, yeah, and then shop-wise, the shop, the whole, I mean, in this state of things, uh, I think it's a really good time to start a shop just because a lot of people want to get their mind off of like, oh, what the next 10 years look like because there's so much uncertainty. Uh, and also as far as like traveling and stuff, like international travel is kind of hindered, so you're not saved up for that big vacation. So like I'm trying to buy a new skate deck. So like if you're starting a skate shop or you're buying new sneakers, it's like you want to – you're looking at the here and now and you're not spending a lot of large biscuits, but you're spending a lot of smaller biscuits to just stay – uh, in a mental health, like good spot. True. And so from business perspective, I think it's a good time to maybe like double down on that high risk factor, but also high reward. I think so. I love that. That's I love awesome. that. And I think there could be a shift too here. And you talk like everything's going Amazon one click. Like it's just like flavorless for lack yeah. of a better word. And I think there'll probably be a shift where it'll be like anti Amazon. There's a big worry. There's going to be one store. <laughs> Yeah, that, that controls the everything. And I don't think that'll. Well, no, peop, no. There's like articles like Amazon owning everything. Fuck this. Yeah. Let's let's reverse this plan. We cannot have this. Man. I have a friend Scott who like uh, his he hates Amazon and his idea to um, to bankrupt Amazon is on Amazon Day where they ship everything for free. Uh, he was like, everybody order something that's like a dollar, but that's like as heavy as possible. You know, like order the smallest price item so they make zero margins, it's but then ship it all over insane. the world. But everyone does it at the same time, so they're just like make no money from it. I mean, the fact that people are sitting around trying to conspire totally. on how to do that is dope. Yeah, it's um, it's wild, man. It's cool though. It's like I think that the biggest thing is there's so many variables. Like, I think online, I think too, we're due for like we're due for like a reset as far as like re for retail and for shops and stuff goes like the, the ones that need to stay around, they're going to be supported and they'll stay around. They're it's really cool to see. Way, right? mm -hmm. And then there was a bunch of kind of like ones that were hanging on and it's just speeding up the process of them going out sooner, which is going to allow them to get into their new project, do their new thing and uh, be more successful faster, hopefully and try these new projects. So I don't think it's going to, hurt anything that wasn't already hurting before it's yeah. just going to speed up the process and hit our reset a little faster so if you're a new kid and you're trying to start a business or a brand i think the timing your speed to market you can pivot these big brands i mean in the future of like they can't pivot too quickly well i mean everyone's so everyone's doubling down on their purchase orders for fall and if you're a shop you canceled your purchase order in oh, july yeah. so right now it's buy one get one you know what i mean just yeah. trying to not eat your product and so that's when things come like printing other stuff on your t-shirts, you know, that's like, yeah, we got to yeah. get creative to move it. So for me, 
I've been doing that for a while, so it's not that new. So I feel like the threshold's up. Yeah. But um, but for bigger brands, it will be tricky to see that kind of. They're getting out. a lot of people canceling orders yeah. and they're panicking. And yeah. that's why for something like Brewers, I'm like, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're ready. And then there's such a yin and yang aspect to the like you you look at McDonald's and mm-hmm. Del Taco, right? I, I I mean I'll fucking hit a Del T every once in a while, but th- if it was all McDonald's and Del Taco, I want my mom and pops. I yeah. want my my yeah. Hectors. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's like it, there's a yin and yang to the big box versus small. So it's it's not like you should bail on your shops. We always thought it was like the wine, the wine and cheese kind of thing, where like that pairing is what makes things special and like gives it um, it, it gives it taste or flavor and gives it contrast and is a variety of spice of life. So if everything is pretty vanilla. And it's a one spot. I mean, it's only a matter of time until you're gonna get some new flavors in there. Um, yeah, it's it's cool. It's like you you use that to describe your brand earlier before we were rolling. Yeah. You want to talk about that more? Uh, like so. Again, I don't want to only do t-shirts. I don't want to only do hoodies. And I think that one for the sake of my customer, um, it needs to be a lot of my customers like weird shit. Like that's my brand. Like a, weird stuff that's interesting. That it's not perfect. Like yeah. lot, like there's. When going to Japan, wabi-sabi is this idea. It's a term used uh, that is basically creating stuff with flaws on purpose just so it it feels really like literally like feels something. Um, and so if you have um, OCD and you like everything perfect and packaged, you're going to hate this concept. Yeah. But I love it because I think most of the things that I like, whether it be a brand, a film, music, it has an emotional attachment to it. And the emotional attachment is because it can it has no like resolution. So like you watch a movie, it doesn't have an ending. You ask your friend, you're like, Oh man, you see that movie? Like it sucked. It's like good, at least they felt something. Like, why did it suck? The ending sucked. And you're like, Yeah, but you're still talking about it now. So that's the sure. special part of it. So when it comes to product, most there's a lot of people that uh, these kind of uh I say a lot of people, but these kind of uh, archetypes of what type of skateboarder you are. So you're dressed in vans and, you know, um, you, you know, kind of flooded out Dickies and get the button up. It's like a SoCal look or this archetype of the New York skater, or the 917 looking skater. Same with snowboarding or fashion or anything else. Um, so I like the idea of getting close to one of those archetypes or those looks and then going backwards. So people are like, I kind of, it's kind of familiar. I see what. I see what Stone's doing with that, that tie-dye shirt, but, like, I've never seen this brand before. You know what I mean? He wears it different. So familiar enough that they, they want it, but not so familiar that they uh, they know all about it. And that's, I don't know, kind of creates this inner turmoil in people that I like. You're describing this, like, intangible flavor, basically, is how I would, or you know, like, there's, like, a flavor to shit that... Yeah, it's, um, it would just be, like, I'm trying to think of, like, well, how to explain... The idea is to stop, just stop short, like design something and stop short on purpose. Mm-hmm. And they're like, why didn't he put a zipper here? And that's frustrating because there needs to be a zipper here. I'm used to a zipper here. Wabi sabi's imperfection. Totally. Basically. Be- totally. It w- it's basically beauty in the imperfection. Yeah. yeah. We've gotten so good at making stuff perfect and not even perfect, but what we think perfect is that we've stopped trying to like make it interesting. Yeah. And so my, like I said, my favorite skate parts are like the dude that, manuals but he doesn't make it the whole way through yeah. the manual pad but they still leave it in the video yeah and it's not considered a trick but it's my favorite part about it yeah and a lot of my snowboard videos are like the the whole thing leading up to it the toe-in that he bails on before he hits the rail or whatever it's not even the rail so like that's the part that i remember and that makes it different than every other video i've seen and so how can we how can we really focus on that and take it and put it in a product in a way 
versus just recycling what we know that works. And yeah. I think from a business standpoint, you need to do both. Yeah. Uh, I'm not talking shit on the fact of doing carryover styles and, and running with what works because they do that because it's a business and, and not a hobby. And I think if you're able to do both, um, that's where you find success, but also um, what, uh, what I'm into, I guess. It's beautiful, man. It separates you from the rest. The jacket comes with a little duct tape on it. You know what exactly. I'm saying? <laughs> and they're like, you know, the best part is like, is that whack? And you're like, is it? And they're like, I don't know. I'm scared to ask. Like, Why are you scared to ask? Like, if it's whack, call me out. Like, that's yeah. the beauty about this conversation is like, and then they say, yeah, it is whack. And I'm like, what well, dog you got on washed jeans? And they're like, oh, and you're like, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they start to put it. it together. Yeah, like I never thought about like I'm buying my jeans already ripped up. And like you buy your jeans like that. Why wouldn't you buy a jacket like that? Yeah. Like it's not that far fetched. So I don't know. It's more interesting than anything. And um, Well, and yeah, it's a it's story cool. too. And that's like people just want to connect and make them feel an emotion. And then they're attached. And that's the, cool. Yeah, the whole thing's dialogue. And that's what I'm looking for. Like I just want to talk to people about yeah. stuff. Cause I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I just throw stuff out there and have a conversation about it. And that's like, what's super important. Uh, in especially like snowboarding, skateboarding, yeah. fashion, yeah, everything, everything. Dude, it's gotta have dialogue. Old, old school style is when you had sales reps. Yeah. They own, they just need a story. Yeah. And so you send them out, you send out this army of sales guys. And if there's no story, there's no connection and you're here creating a story. And that's, you knew Andy wise, right? You know, Andy yeah. Wise? yeah. I mean, snowboard clinics, uh, for those who don't know what a clinic is, where you come in and you talk about the product to help the sales staff sell it, and clinic, and you like get the you get the the staff of the shop uh, pizza or whatever, yeah. and a lot of it is showmanship, and we've talked about. I've heard you talk about showmanship, yeah. and I think that it's I think it's I think it's so important. But from those clinics, it's like okay, you're selling people on the idea of this new product, so they can sell it to other people, and so it's got to hit a little harder. Um, and uh, some of my greatest experiences are reps selling. I mean, I still use some of those. Like, I use them in a different way. Like, yeah. I'll show a jacket a certain way. And Wise would always be like, he'd have, like, a different name for the, he'd call them hand panties or kangaroo pockets that, oh, like, go into jackets. It. Yeah, yeah. you put your hand panties in there. And, uh, <laughs> and just little stuff that uh, brand hit on the back and the way that they would do it and sell it. Um, I still use those techniques, but yeah. it's all shop talk. The good so. salesman, they know, and it's, I it's do with, connecting the customer yeah. with a story. And, yeah, and emotional there's, attachment. There's, yeah, the emotional. Yeah. yeah. The consumer cool. likes to latch onto a story as well, too. They like yeah. to understand. The I mean, story. to get with a brand, they got to know it, the story and attach. Kind of an interesting thing, uh, and we touched on it a little bit, but um, the idea of stories and this this word minimal viable good. Like I said, this is something that I constantly think about because it's probably more pertains to like the younger generation uh, and social media and how is it easy to market yourself versus actually having to back it up. Um, and I think, for example, I guess the, the point is, is that this day and age, you don't have to need to be the best at anything. You don't have to be the best snowboarder. You don't have to be the skateboarder, the best fashion guy, interesting talk show host, whatever it is. You just need to tell everybody that you're the best at it, but you have to be minimal viable good, meaning you have to be good enough that if somebody calls you on it, you at least look like you know what you're doing. But by the time you get everybody looking at you you will be able to shoot that gap and figure out what you need to do that hopefully you are the best. And the question is, if a million people, two million people, five million people are following you, I mean, are you the best at that thing? You know, I mean, does it doesn't even matter. And who's to say you're not because it's all subjective. Yeah. Like that many people are watching it. Like there's no wrong answer really. So, and I, like I said, I don't know if it's a world that I like want to live in. And I, I talk to people about this often because I'm like, 
who like what do we perceive good as the kid that's got 200 followers the kid's got 2 million followers for me i go through and try to find kids with low followers that i think are doing stuff interesting and yeah. throw in big data because i think that's cool and if they have a lot of followers that's cool too but um but really you just have to be good enough and then be the loudest in the room to be i guess like i don't know socially or financial financially successful or whatever it is but the best at something versus like mastering it and so i tell kids like it depends what you want out of it like if you want to know you're the best at doing something, like do it really good and learn it. But if you're just looking for financial success to get out of your certain situation, just be good enough that you tell everyone you're the best. And by the time they come to question you, hopefully you're better than you are now. Like you just got to figure it out along the way, you know? And so it's, um, and, and that's why I tell people to start, you know what I mean? Just start telling people like, yo, you make tacos. Those are the best fucking tacos. You know what I mean? And they're like, are they? A couple people say it. Oh yeah, they are. And if someone says those tacos suck, they're still talking about your tacos. Yeah. You know what I mean? So jokes on them, you know, and then yeah, people so are like, what tacos suck? Way, yeah. yeah. No, no such press is bad press kind of thing, basically. Right. Yeah. And last, like I said, I don't want to ramble all day, but going into that, there's this thing that's super interesting that kids should look up. Um, and it's a weird thing that's happening in like, I don't know, I guess everywhere, but, uh, something I find fascinating is this thing called Cunningham's law. It's this guy who basically said it's basically on the, based on the internet. I don't even know if it, if it really even stands, but I'm just fascinated with the idea. It's the fact that you, to find an answer to a question, um, how's it go? To find an answer to a question, the fastest way to get the answer is to post the wrong thing versus the right thing because it's much more um, appealing to people to correct you and to get, uh, like if I said, yo, so-and-so's got the best nose presses, they'd be like, no, so-and-so does, versus if I say, who has the best nose presses, they'd be like, I don't know, man. You know, so like correcting somebody gives you more um, gives emotional you, attachment, maybe. Yeah, or like what's that called? Like not credible. Uh, you're you right. Se- it's yeah, self um, fulfillment. Yeah, it's like more fulfilling to be like no, self righteousness is what it is ultimately. But yeah. like on a, on the level, it just strokes your ego a little to know and that you're right. And there's a name for that, huh? Totally. Yeah, it's called. So, so, so if you search the internet, like Amazon's worth four hundred grand or whatever. You're going to get the answer. Say Amazon is actually worth, you know, yeah. Amazon's worth. Versus if, if you type in what is Amazon worth, you're going to get all these articles co- conflicting yeah. about different <laughs> amounts. Yeah. Dude, yeah. You know where you see that the most that I trip out on? Like when, when I would uh, own Mud Dogs, a concrete yeah. company, yeah. we build shit, right? There's yeah. a million different ways to fucking to, to split a chicken or whatever yeah, the yeah, saying yeah, is. Yeah. There's a million different ways to, uh, to, what is that saying? Skin a duck or something? Yeah, yeah. There's, yeah. there's a million different... Oh, skin, no, skin a cat. I'm going to restart. Yeah. There's a million different ways to skin a cat. And in the same way, there's a million different ways to form a concrete quarter pipe. Yeah. Right? And when you build stuff, no matter what, even if it turns out perfect, people love to give you that unsolicited advice of like, oh, well, I would have done it like this. Yeah. I would have done it like that. Yeah, I would have done you. that. Because it just like strokes their ego. I don't know what so, the psychology yeah, so, of it is, but... And, and so it, I think a little bit of that what I, I like to see is you're going to get criticism no matter what. Yeah. And it's actually more fun to put something out there and get the feedback on because you're going to find the direction you need to go faster by doing it and getting criticism than if you're asking like, what should, what type of brand should I do? Or what brand do you like? Or what tacos are the best versus being like, these are my tacos. Fuck with them or don't. And then they're like, you know what I like? 
I like those sweet potato ones. Like they're better than yours. And you're like, well, guess what? I got sweet potato yeah, tacos now, now too. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. make some sweet potato <laughs> it's tacos. Beautiful. And in the so, day of the genius. internet, it's yeah. a beautiful thing too because like all of our information is right in front of us. At mm. least, especially for what we do with the podcast. Like, yeah. we get these comments like, oh, make the intro shorter. We get a bunch of those. What do we do? Yeah. We make the intro shorter. <laughs> like yeah. we have all our feedback right in front of us on the gram. You can tell. You get people all your, will let you know. It's yeah. it's insane. Yeah. The, it's the focus group that we have in social media. It's insane. You just start doing stuff. Don't even worry about what what you get because you're going to find it along the way mm-hmm. they're going to tell you what they like and and you can't please everybody you no. know some of the yeah. people some of the time but like but just know like it's easier to navigate when you're moving forward than if it is when you're asking like which way should i move and that's kind of the whole vibe with like should i wax this skate ledge it's like should i design this thing it's like just fucking do it and then as you come back around you're going to know where to land it so I love That's it. Sick. Beautiful. It's like bodies in motion, stay in motion. Once yeah. you get going, you'll get going. But yeah. when you get stuck, you're stuck. But yeah. I don't want to keep rambling. It's been a no, hell of a conversation. One quick question yeah, yeah. I have for you. Who are some designers you look up to or um, have inspired you? I know you mentioned a couple, yeah. but absolutely. Just, uh, just curious. Let me think on this for a sec. Because I, um, I have a lot of people I look up to. Um, give me one. I think like, so, so. Um, Margiela's one he's like more like higher and he's somebody that just paints a lot of stuff and he uses existing designs and creates other stuff so like if kids should google him um, and just like that whole brand I would say uh, I was just thinking of one the other day Um, it's probably an ever changing it is but but there's a couple people that are awesome Um, give me one second so Margella's up there uh, on, in the skate world. There's some cool stuff kind of happening. Um, there's a brand called Dancer that's out of Copenhagen. They're doing like weirdo stuff, and it's like they're all sick at skating, but they kind of want to like push out of the mold a little bit and be yeah. like, we don't want to be boxed in. So just that whole ethos I like. Um, there's a bunch of outdoor brands that are doing cool stuff. Um, what other designers are like? Oh man, I'm blowing it right now. <laughs> I didn't mean to put <clears> you on the spot. No, no, it's, um, a, it's a loaded question. It there's, is. No, like there's a Japanese company called Capital um, with a K. They've never really given a fuck and still don't. And their stuff's almost like some years it looks like cosplay, like gypsy oh, costumes, sick. and then every now and again you're like, this trucker hat is cooler than I've ever seen it. Um, in the snow, I mean. Pass it. I don't know who designed 2001, 2002. Foursquare and Special Blend. Oh, but that like, shit's gay. I'm so nostalgic right now. And even like, there's some dub outerwear pieces I still like. But that year specifically, uh, I find myself being like, yo, I want that. Um, there's, uh, there's a bunch of younger brands. There's a brand in Philly called All Cap Studio that's doing cool stuff. Uh, another one called Dirt Bag. This kid out of, out of uh, New York that's just, they're kind of doing it for the right reasons and they haven't deviated over years. Um, I mean, Dustbox. I mean, the Dustbox kids, for the people that don't know, they, like, on snow, they're sick, but they're all, like, visionaries as far as designing stuff. Yeah, like, they they're really looking, are, huh? they're resourcing and touching on stuff. Uh, even if they don't know it yet, like, they're inspiring other people just because they're they're wanting to push that a little bit. So I think that'll be sick. I guess from where I'm sitting, what, I mean, from design side and, like, business side, I mean, and asking questions, like, who are you, like, what is stuff you guys are into right now or, like, have been into or stuff you've seen over like the course of the last 10 years, you'd be like, man, that was interesting. I'm, I wish those guys had stuck around or I wish they continued to push. Dude, after sitting here for the past little bit, I'm hyped on your shit. Yeah. Oh my you goodness, just, man. You just blown my, not, my yeah, mind, dude. You have a, I mean, I worked at a brand for what, 23 years. Yeah. And you get like, 
it gets so crazy because trying to design another line 20 years later yeah. is insane. You know, like, let's do it again. Another catalog. Like, yeah. That's, it's nuts. And hearing all your fresh perspective is really cool. Yeah. And then for me, I design a signature outerwear with 32 every year. Yeah. And so we're. Those are sick. The, uh, the pants you. are sick. Thank you. But it's funny. I you say you. The, I the, dub, you. the dub shit is yeah. cool. Like, I, I always just almost like I just hop on Google and I'm like dub outerwear yeah and like i like those dub was your big influence dub, yeah, yeah. i was like the old dub, dub and then old sick, man. like the old camels yeah. they used with, with special blend and like old dc even yeah. that, like the early 2000s dc that's just for snow but yeah like analog my, was always the, one that always pushed yeah. me that was hype. so analog had this guy named errolson hugh uh who like went on and the guy who started visvim which is this big japanese company like a lot of i mean burton Say whatever you want about Burton, but Burton's been in the forefront as far as like outerwear and, and finding, especially Japanese designers. Um, yeah. And so, uh, but they had a guy named Errolson Hugh, um, and he's gone on to like still be at the forefront of creating cool stuff. He had a brand called Acronym. He's done Nike. Did you know Trent and Troy Bush at all? So they did. Did they do? Uh, they worked on Analog as well, but they started with Twist and then Titan. Did they do Sepia. Uh, no, was, that was six eight six. Their first, right? yeah, that was six. That was different. But they did section. They did yeah, section. 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 Section is yeah, so. Section. They started with twist, which was just insane. I had twist pants. Yeah, twist yeah. was nuts. So you then, used to rock section, no? Me? Uh, we sold section at the click. Okay. Yeah, but they also did a bunch of the analog MFM. stuff, yeah. and then they did section. Like they're, it's yeah. insane. Yeah. Now one of them is making denim in the U.S. Like handmade really? denim. The other one's still just designing, and it's nuts. Like thirty years later, these guys are still just designing sick shit. And Dude, it's and like I said, that's really like like kids. So the important thing is to know, like, there's younger kids getting into it. They think that fashion is the coolest shit out, and all the fashion guys think that skateboarding and snowboarding is the coolest shit yeah. out. And so it's one big. So I I don't really, um, I you know I don't really show uh, bad blood on either side. I like the whole vibe and I think that everyone's got to do their own path through, but I have so much respect, especially now, like I said, as I get older being like, dude, some of this stuff that we had in the click is better than stuff I'm buying from showrooms in Paris. And like, how do I get that again? You know what I mean? It's like some of those companies came through so fast, but, um, yeah, we had, uh, I had twist pants, man. That's, that's pretty yeah, they cool. They were so dope back in the day. Yeah, 30, I had 32 boots, um, 32 outerwear for a second. Uh, like I said, we talked about Holden. I was big into Holden. Yeah, Holden was, yeah. Mikey did his own thing and it was cool and it Dude, showed. And Yeah, and like it, you can tell, like you can tell when it's like comes from like authentic origins. It's yeah. like, whoa, this is crazier than it needs to be or, or whatever it may be. But uh, yeah, the. But you remember it. Special Blend Force. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. It's so. a trip to think about too, though, because, you know, you're talking about a very unique, small, like, uh, kind of progressive outlook mm-hmm. on on the fits and the prints and the style yeah. right and then you look at the consumer of snowboard outerwear yeah and the average person that buys jackets snowboards twice a year and they're probably like a fucking accountant they and, want a black jacket. and they're just like <laughs> yeah pants. that one they, yeah. there's no thought where we're sitting there like pulling spec sheets from fucking old catalog you know yeah or whatever well no i think like like i said the uh, the profitability is something that's always been like so challenging with um, with doing outerwear brands and just snowboarding in general, hard goods and, and selling boots and the whole thing. And that's why like I want to like get back into it in a way because I feel like there's new real estate and territory to say, hey, it doesn't need to be this wholesale uh, setup. There's brands in other parts of the world that are going direct to consumer and they're doing pop ups and they're still authentically affecting culture that they're a part of. 
like take Palace for like Palace and wholesale forever. You know what I mean? They had a store that went direct to consumer. They're selling online. Like we could take a simple, a similar template with a new brand and say, we're going to do six pop-ups a year in all the right places. We're going to do one for a month in Salt Lake during the winter. And the rest is online and we can still make money going direct to consumer, still give back to the culture. And uh, we don't need to wholesale to these other places that are discounting our product as soon as they get it. Cause they're scared. They're going to get caught red handed with it if it doesn't snow. And so I just like the idea that like, it's a really, really awesome spot to start a new brand. If you're a younger kid to take this new idea and this new route of saying, look, like we're going to change the blueprint a little bit. We can still wholesale. We can still care about the shops that we love and support those guys. But we need to make sure this thing's built for, you know, the longevity. And we can do that now with the internet and saying, we're going to get our own retail store with our own vibe and try to figure out some deal where we only have to have it for three months during the winter. Yeah. In the summer we chill, you know? That's sick. So I don't know. It's, Man. um, you yeah. mentioned Burton before too. Have you mm-hmm. seen the new Mind Seventy Seven? I haven't. You know, oh, is that the is that the like kind of like off? Jake, it was like, like Jake's, Jake's brand that yeah. he started, and he yeah. thought of it as like his supreme. Yeah, but they like just put out um, kind of like just a coach jacket. Yeah, and it's uh, I don't know. You probably don't remember J One, but there's this classic photo of him doing a layback on a stump, smoking a cigarette. It's like the most iconic iconic Burton ad ever. Printed it on this Mind Seventy Seven jacket that. Did limited edition. It's like the sickest thing ever, like full photo print. See, that's... They just hired Blotto. I was going to say, did Blotto shoot it, that? Well, yeah. No, this was shot, like, back in way, the, I, like When before. you were, like, f- four years old? Dude, yeah, for real. Probably, like, came out <laughs> in 1966. It came out in 90... It's like Civil War. 89, let's Civil say, War. maybe. But this photo's yeah, insane. Civil War, the okay. stump's blowing up everywhere, and he just had a half-lit yeah. half J1. J1, yeah, yeah. Jason Girardi. Yeah. But then they just hired Blotto, never painted in his life. But yeah. I mean, he's painted, but yeah. not like, on a, he's more of a photographer. Yeah. And they hired him to do his, like, own board line, painted by him, and he just spent, like, the last two months doing it, and is so hyped on it. Can't wait to see this come out. And it's just cool. They're, you know, they had analog, and then this going on, and it's, it's pretty sick. Kind of in that space. People, yeah. and, and that's the thing, like, everyone's knocking on everybody all the time. I think that's just part of like our DNA as skateboarders and snowboarders haters is we want, like we want to (laughs) like everything's critical, but that's the reason that's so cool is because everyone's been under kind of like that critical vibe to make that shit better. And then, um, but, uh, yeah, like Burton's always like from the outerwear side, like they've always done cool stuff and supported cool ideas. And they've also done some whack stuff too. Um, but everyone has, yeah, you know course. what I mean? That's part of the as big as them. It's so, going to happen. Yeah. So I have a lot of respect for like even smaller companies, bigger companies and trying, and that's the real thing is like creating that culture around that brand. There's and especially this guy, Greg, impactful. I don't know if you've ever met him. Which He's Greg? The guy that works at Burton for like, you've met this guy. Well, I, have, I haven't met him, but well, I actually have met beard. him. He's pretty much the guy behind a lot of that dope shit over the years. And it's interesting. He's been able to keep it up, you know? So it's interesting though. And I, I mean, Back to the critical side. Uh, yeah. There's a. There's Let him know. So this is the hardest part about snowboarding. Um, if we're nerding out, and it's one of the reasons skateboarding is a little bit cooler. For some reason, we're able to get away with more stuff, outfit wise on snow. Ever since day one, skiing True, and snowboarding, uh, it's always about being loud. It's more. It's more costumey, and sometimes that trickles into a brand's ethos. And sometimes you end up wearing that when you're off the snow. And uh, and and we've seen that with celebrities in the snow over the years where that kind of on snow persona gets carried off snow and it looks more like cosplay than yeah. a person. Yeah. And um, are we and talking about Sean White? I'm, no, I'm not naming any names, okay. but um, but sometimes 
that gets bigger than the actual brand and it turns almost into uh, a mascot of a brand and it's kind of like a little cosplay. So, um, so a lot of people that have good taste sometimes take on that identity too strong and then it turns into like uh, this whole different thing. It's not about snowboarding anymore. It's not about skateboarding. It's like, I feel like it's a, you know, yeah, like what the fuck is going dudes on? Dudes in a costume, and if no one's calling him out, like, are we the fucking crazy ones? Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I think people call it out. Yes, yeah. it is what it is. And then at the same time, I usually wait till everyone calls him out, and then I say, "You'll be nice, guys. He's just doing him." Like, don't you know? But I'm yeah. the one that instigated it the whole time. Uh, <laughs> That's genius. Yeah, get everybody. No, but um, the outerwear thing's really cool. And like I said, I was telling Schubert came by the other day, and I was Spencer Schubert, and I was telling him like, we're in such a good spot right now, like. I think that like there's a lot of brands that are hitting like that retro era. They're looking for inspiration. They're looking for kids to embrace this nineties. They, we always say that we always say nineties inspired, but it never is. It's just the tagline. But I actually think now more than ever, we're seeing it from like an authentic vibe of like the homies are going up and just building the jump and sessioning it. You yeah. know what I mean? Everything's a little bit more lo-fi and we're kind of burned out on really good stuff. We're looking for interesting stuff. And I really hope that that comes back aesthetically towards the uh, outerwear and aesthetically towards the the boots and the everything about it. So um, I don't know. It's cool. K two K two is another one. They were cool enough to send me some boards last year, and I, I like that they're pushing in like kind of a retro way. I like that Sims is back. Those guys are so sick. My yeah. first board was a Sims. So, oh, was it? Yeah. Well, actually, I had a Division twenty three because of Mikey uh, was my first board, nice. and then a Sims after that, and then a Rusty. Rusty, a Rusty yeah. going for it. Real sick setup. Um, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, everyone's pushing kind of this retro retro vibe, and um, I don't know, back it. I think. Yeah, it's cool. I think the time. Uh, I'm biased too because my timing and getting back into it and yeah. being nostalgic really aligns with that. So, but but yeah, they've always been doing cool stuff. I guess. Looking dope, man. I think this was a beautiful, forward thinking, just kind of. Great conversation. It was, man. I'm stoked. Man. I don't know if we can navigate through any of that. I feel like I rambled a little bit. No, it was perfect. It got my yeah. wheels turning. I'm, you guys are, yeah, hard. dude. I yeah. think I think it's sick. I, you guys are dope for having me. I'm like <laughs> stoked to have you. No, dude. it's cool. It's uh, it's just awesome to kind of be a part. Like I said, you guys are always nice for including the right people, and it goes back into like, you know, just cultivating this thing for everybody, for future generations, for people that are nostalgic like me about it, uh, and just kind of keeping it all together. So it's dope. I'm still tripping on your shirt. The guy out next to Bob looks like Benny Urban. <laughs> and then Daryl Mathis is on the right. And Darryl, I don't know what Darryl's the fuck is going it. on with yeah. this t-shirt, dude. The patch mug. It's in that cup. It's in that cup. Oh, yeah. Hey, well, thank like, you guys really so much. Does he not look like Benny Urban? He does. I, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll That's see awesome. you guys next week. Much appreciated. Yeah, thank you guys. Peace. Caleb Flowers. Wow. True idea, man. Dude, I could seriously sit and learn and learn and learn from that guy. We might have to have him back on the show and see what he's cooking up next year. I feel like a sponge. I (laughs) just feel like a sponge. Yeah. Absorbing information. Just so you guys know, we have no sponsors. So any way you can support is huge. We actually did a collaboration with Caleb's hat company, Brewlers, and we're doing a little Bombhole Brewlers face mask. Limited edition. That'll be available on Bombhole. Dot com. What else, buds? We got that Patreon. You want to win that snowboard and the lizard autograph skateboard. You got to sign up for one of the tiers. If you want to leave us a review on Apple podcast platform, that's huge for us. Much appreciated. Thank you guys so much for reaching out on Instagram and all the platforms. 
We do it for you guys. You make it easy for all this hard work. And uh, we appreciate you guys, and we will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in.